As mentioned in the latest podcast on the epic 1980 film Raise the Titanic, Dion Baia recorded in 2012 with his then-co-host Brian Zeno of their podcast The Podwits on the 100th anniversary of the ship's sinking, a three-part podcast in which they talk about other massive maritime disasters that may have been forgotten by many in modern times. Both sharing a morbid fascination, and starting at the 20th century, Dion and Brian hit on numerous sinkings that were huge and world-changing at the times they occurred. What connects these to the latest Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers podcast on Raise the Titanic, aside from the obvious disaster at sea aspect, is that the guys cover the fate of many vessels that were brought up in that podcast, like the Titanic sister ships the RMS Olympic and the HMHS Britannic, as well as discuss the nuclear sub-tragedies of the USS Thresher and the USS Scorpion, which were the two naval submarines that ironically enabled oceanographer Robert Ballard to discover the long-lost Titanic wreck in 1985. They also touch on infamous events as the USS Maine, the RMS Lusitania, the Bismarck, the SS Edmund Fitzgerald, and, until September 11, 2001, the biggest disaster in New York City history, the tale of the P.S. General Slocum, among many others. Condensing the three into one podcast, here is the acclaimed three-parter in an interesting, fascinating, and fact-filled podcast that is so far out in the proverbial weeds that it is not like any other podcast the Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers have ever done before and probably will ever do again. We hope you enjoy. Should we just start? Yeah, no, we can. We can absolutely start. And the main is a good place to start. First of all, because chronologically, yeah. it's the first really what you would call modern shipwreck. But before we get into specifics, are we, are we on? I believe. <laughs> Don't tell Dion, but I've secretly replaced his microphone with one that's on. Let's see if he notices. Is this made out of uh, foam? <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> no, but I think it's a good place to start. But before we get into like specifics, like 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 really start, you know, Should delving we intro into ourselves and explain um, what we're yeah, trying to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, yes. Let's. I'm Brian the Zeno of Clan Zeno. I'm uh, Dion Bai of Gentleman of Leisure. Am I no, 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 no. That's Jay Marcus, Gentleman of Leisure, who won't be joining us today because he's a sad sack who doesn't. He's buying some ascots. Yes. <laughs> to go with the smoking jacket. <laughs> to go with the smoking jacket and the bunny slippers. But um, and what we're uh, this welcome to. Um, it, 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 I guess it's a special podcast. It's kind of going to be, I guess, a little more serious. Although we will crack jokes. Uh, yeah. No, I think we can. Well. We'll get into the question of whether or not we can crack jokes yeah, here, it's but like it's because this is the month well, what, of the the hundredth anniversary of the Titanic, Titanic. and Brian and I discovered we have a big affinity Back for it. A few months ago, when we were uh, discussing um, the Costa Concordia when it was in the yeah. news, um, Dion and I discovered, quite to our uh, surprise and, and delight, that we share a mutual fascination with uh, with shipwrecks. And it's sad because the uh, a lot of them were hugely. Uh, uh, covered at the time, but then they kind of just fell beneath mm-hmm. the waves, and you forget kind of with anything. And, some, and since the late fifties, the uh, you know when the 
when uh, sea sea going kind of went by the wayside of That's airplanes. True. That's true. People don't really see that at the time. This was how the impact this would have on. It's mm-hmm. like air huge airplane crashes to like Lockerbie and stuff like that. Yeah, but uh, but as far as shipwrecks go, last couple of decades, it's mostly been like you know a ferry off the coast of Mauritania, you know, and it's or like, like yeah, or the, the worst of <laughs> that is the, you know they like uh, everyone gets sick on some sort yeah, of yeah. dodgy food. You know exactly. Know. Exactly, but um, so let me ask you off the uh, out the gate here. Um, let me ask you on a on a philosophical stepping back and taking a big picture look on a philosophical level, like what's the fascination for you with shipwrecks? Like why are they so? Um, why do they grab you? Well, mine for some reasons always been the Titanic. Mm-hmm. I remember the day mm-hmm. it was uh, Bob Ballard discovered it or discovered the wreck, mm-hmm. and from then I was lured to it. I think because as a child I was very um, I liked vehicles, I liked trucks, so mm-hmm. I, I always had an affinity for the for you know just the massive design of a boat, a ship like a boy would have to knock a truck, right? Toys. Exactly. Yeah. So and then when you start, then I think I learned about the Andrea Doria, and then you start learning about stuff, and I think it's just as you get older you learn about what goes into it and, the, and I guess it's it's the melancholy of they, all these people's dreams and hopes go into it and, mm-hmm. and it's something where it's just certainly all they're looking is to get from A to B and this is usually a lot of these back in the day where people forget it's uh, part of the adventure was getting there. Yeah. The journey was okay it's going to take us five days say to do transatlantic or you know transcontinental uh, boating so People didn't really think about this. It was in the back of their mind, but it's so sad and it's heartbreaking, I guess, the tragedy of it all. Mm-hmm. The tragedy is definitely you know, a big part the, of it. The people who died in the... In the uh, and and the also... The ships that were lost. For me, the wrecks themselves, there's just this magnificent, compelling wrongness yeah. about the sight of this massive thing that you know is supposed to be... Somewhere else, doing something else, sitting there all shattered and wrecked. Very haunting. Yeah, very compellingly haunting. When they find these ships and they take uh, photographs and there's a lot of them like the Bismarck where the uh, stuff's still pointed and ready to go. Mm -hmm. Or the Yamato where it's just like... You know, it's it's almost like you know, they're, everything is ready. You know, stuff is still locked in certain positions, like the Titanic's uh, boat wrench uh, wenches are still out. You know, yeah, it's just, yeah. It's, everything was locked in place. It's, yeah, it's sad. It's very so. You're right, and I mean, they they play that up on the TV specials when they do like the. the floating through the wreck of the Titanic yeah, or whatever. They make they, they, they do make a big deal about just as the day it waited to receive passengers, the grand staircase sits, you know. And, now look at it, you know, despair and uh, yeah. calamity. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, you know, so uh, so that, that, that magnificent, com- what I call the magnificent compelling wrongness, the tragedy of it all, I mean, you kind of don't like want to make... Can you repeat that? Ma- ma- magnificent compelling wrongness. That's, that's, so, that's a title of a book right there. Yeah, how about, ooh, or the title of a podcast. Perhaps. Oh, <laughs> but Put that so in your hat. that plus the tragedy, and you you do are sort of discouraged from 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 joking about it. On the flip side, we're us. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess a lot of people. The element of, I guess, comedy in itself is sometimes to make light of very, well, a little gallows humor, a yeah, little tragic, yeah. really heavy but, things, and, and so maybe we'll tread lightly, or maybe we'll just be yeah. douchebags. I, mean, I don't know. I, I do have to make clear that, that we do take it seriously. We're the oh, absolutely, us, absolutely. I, I, you know, it's 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 it is, unbelievable. It is actually morbid. Our 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 somewhat morbid. <laughs> so somewhat, Which it is a morbid fascination. Yeah. It absolutely is a morbid fascination, yeah. well, but anything, a fascination you know? nevertheless. Yeah. And I know we're not the only ones. No, you know, where they wouldn't keep exploring shipwrecks. 
wouldn't keep writing but books. But it's with anything, you know? you know, the Hindenburg going down. Oh, or, another great uh, one, you know, train wrecks, you, know? you know, or the Ch- uh, Challenger, you know. I mean, there's always people are fascinated by what went wrong, why yeah. did it go wrong, and yep. and the up more to the tragic, the more spectacular and 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 visually arresting the the remains of the disaster. You know, the stronger a hold it'll have on our imagination. And then surprisingly, what you learn from it. Yeah. I mean, even you take, the, you know, the nine uh, eleven. It's like, you know, the fascination with that. What went wrong? Why did it happen? How can it be fixed? The life lost. The mm-hmm. the, the, the 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 impact on everyone and the survivors. So it's always. I guess it's like the going by a car accident. Exactly. You, know, you, you don't want to look, but it's you can't help. It. It's like a car wreck, yeah, but it's a shipwreck. Yeah. So. But um. Oh, but so got, now, Brian, so now. Um, I thought, you know, we, we, we uh, mentioned it uh, ahead of time, and I thought it's a good place to start, as good a place to start as any. So we'll start with the, uh, the USS Maine. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, and and the, there's so many layers. Of, I feel like, you know, we, we'll, we'll kind of have to be careful because we could, we could just get lost for an entire podcast, length of an entire podcast, just particular. on the Maine, because there's so many layers to it. There was the run-up, I mean, what it was doing there in the first place with the Cuban War of Independence. Yeah. Um, and 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 the sort of I mean what I found illuminating when I was like sort of looking into the background of the main disaster, why it was there in the first place. Um, the whole part of the whole reason it was there was I mean ostensibly to look out for U.S. interests. Well, what you year know. was this? This was eighteen ninety eight. Cubans okay. fighting its third and final war of independence against the uh, Americans, the Spanish American. Well, it was what it was the actual catalyst for the Spanish American war, but at times we're not at war with Spain. Cuba's fighting for its independence from Spain and we're sort of backing up Cuba ostensibly to block, you know, European, whatever. And then we we had interest there because I think we were actually trying to think of maybe putting the Panama Canal eventually. Well, it wasn't even, it wasn't even that. It was what, what it was, was um, ever since the 1880s, back in the 1880s uh, under uh, Garfield and later under Harrison, there was a secretary of state named uh, James Blaine actually ran for president a couple of times and didn't make it but and Blaine's contribution to American thinking um, on the world stage was that he he foresaw very strongly um, a, a near future at that time where all of the Western Hemisphere Central America and South America were under the commercial uh, control and, oh. and diplomatic control of the United States the entire Western Hemisphere was an American um, sphere of influence. And we didn't want to lose it to the British and, and, and French. And, well, exactly. So, you know, ensuring, so so having Cuba gain its independence from Spain was definitely in our interest because an independent Cuba would be an easier stepping stone Alley towards that end. Yeah. So ostensibly, to... so so now, so Cuba's fighting for its independence. There's a riot. Spanish loyalists smashed some um, uh, independence-minded printing presses, and there were riots in the streets of Havana, and so ostensibly to protect the American citizens living there, the U.S. government sends the Maine, the Maine. which is sitting in the port. And it's sitting in there, and then it blows up, and as far as I know, now I don't know, you might know better than me, but as far as I know, the, the, the cause of the explosion has never been um, proven well, from what to I, this day. What I've heard is that we completely used it oh, as a, shamelessly which I think even at the time I don't know if this mm-hmm. is true but we even had our doubts I think it was it's safe to say today I think it was maybe 90% accidental they're thinking something happened there is that, a strong possibility yeah, that it was accidental but like a coal coal fire something right, something you know, an some explosion boiler, in the yeah, ammunition yeah. but but you're right it's um, 
the the popular um, view of the incident was that the the fan the the flames of of public sentiment were fanned by the newspapers, specifically the New York Journal and the New York World. Yeah. Now the funny thing is, is that the the publisher of the World, uh, Joseph Pulitzer, yeah, um, was actually quoted privately as saying, "Only someone in an insane asylum would think that Spain actually did this." But in his paper, he he's calling for Spain's head on this because, again, sold papers, yeah. got the public, you know, all worked yeah, up. Yeah, got and them behind the government, and we declared war against uh, uh, Spain. Uh, Spain. Uh, right now, um, but, remember the main to hell with war. Spain. That was the that was the battle cry. The you know? to, what is it? Remember the main to hell with Spain was the battle right. cry during the Spanish American yeah. War, and which. That, we won and was the first step of American... Um, it's kind of like the, the guard of the 20th century yeah. made of us being a world power. Which exactly. Before that, we were very world. isolationist. And yeah. after that, we, we started to gain footholds, you know, not just in, in, in the Caribbean, but eventually in the Philippines and, yeah. you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that was the first step. So the, so the incident, the, main, the, the explosion of the main as, a, as, a, as, a, as a, uh, an incident, an important incident in, in American history cannot be overstated. No. Just, you know, it's important it, 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 as a watershed event. Yeah. Just can't be overstated. Now, so you're looking at it and so it blows up now and, and then all this other crap happens, you know, which is political and yeah, war and blah, 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 blah. So shipwreck. Yeah. The wreck of the Maine. And again, I did not know this until I'm doing my reading, you know, for leading up, you know, to this, to this. To this special, I have now stated everything I knew prior to you and I saying, "Hey, let's do a shipwreck special. Let's put on a show." <laughs> you know, but um, uh, so I'm doing the reading. The wreck, the yeah. twisted metal wreck, sat there in the harbor of Havana for twelve years. Twelve years it sat there above above water. Yeah, just sitting there. It just blew up and... And blew up and it just sat there. And eventually they decided they had to do something about it because the sandbars were sort of building up about it and it was going to become like a hazard. So they underwent this entire, this big, huge salvage operation, this big uh, um, undertaking to get it out of there. Which they, takes us to like around 1910, 12. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they started in 1911. 1910, the decision was made. 1911, they started. Yeah. Um, they, they, they built what's called a coffer dam, okay. which is when they build a barrier around an area of water and then, and then they pump out, all the it, water yeah. out of it. Right. So they built the coffer dam they, and then they uh, plugged up the wreck, refilled it and floated it and they towed it out three miles north of Havana to really, only a little bit north of, of, of the north coast of Cuba there in the Straits of Florida. The water's really friggin' deep. Yeah. I didn't realize how deep deep you get some water right, right there yeah. it's like 3,000 so they went 3,000 feet and they um then they let it go and they unplugged it and they sank the main that's where she lays down and she that's where she lays now and um obviously the 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 the, the twisted foremast is on uh i believe is 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 on display as it were or is just you know out on the grounds of i believe the annapolis naval academy but i could be wrong about that wow. the main mast is the centerpiece of the of the memorial of the arlington national cemetery and See, what that's, I, that's that's interesting and what i didn't know which i'd seen that that was my first introduction the first time i'd ever heard of the main in my life I was a uh, man, I guess, twelve or thirteen, and I'd gone to Washington D.C. for my first family tourist visit to Washington D.C. Went to Arlington National Cemetery, and there's the main memorial, which is the ma- the mast on a pedestal with you know the, yeah. the main. But 
Well, here's what I didn't know. You walk around New York City, right? Yeah. Southwest corner of Central Park, okay. what they call the Merchant Gate. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen it. It's like a big old pedestal with the gilded statue on top. Yeah. Uh, um, victory being pulled by two uh, seahorses. Yeah. That's a memorial to the Maine. Wow. I did not know that. Wow. But it is. That I. is a main memorial. In New York City, yeah. Right so here, people yeah. People pass every day. Yeah. And you don't even realize. Yeah, it's something I've passed like countless times and never, never realized it. So so there's all that. And here's the postscript yeah. to the story of the Maine. In 2000, a private company, um, Advanced Digital Solutions, ADS, yeah. um, has an underwater exploration, uh, the, uh, um, uh, what was it called? The uh, Explora, Exploramar. Um, ADS's Exploramar discovered, or I mean found, the wreck of the main. They did some sonar and everything, and they have a deal in place. They're a private company, but they have a deal in place with what was then, you know, Fidel Castro's government, split any salvage 50-50. Huh. That doesn't seem quite... But they haven't acted on it. I don't so. think they've actually pulled anything up off of it, but the, but the, the legal framework was in place for that deal. It's still... Here's the other interesting yeah. bit, though. The same team, the Explormar team from ADS, also discovered what they claim in that same super deep water there right near the main in the course of this expedition, discovered what they claim are a, is a sunken city. A uh, remains of a sunken city, and I haven't followed that one up, but that's a weird tangent, don't you kinda think? Like Atlantean, kinda. yeah, like like a little bit of Atlantis. But so that's a weird little postscript, is you know. So I, I saw some, um, I saw a, a, a computer generated sort of um, um, a model flyby model animation of the of the, of the main yeah. wreck. It's 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 like the front half of the ship, not horrible condition, but it's just kind of like laying there what on its side. What kind of condition was it when it blew up? Um, it was a com- hole when it when it went. Well, it was when it blew up. It was a twisted. I mean, it's still, I guess, it's twisted still wreck. But um, I saw some pictures. Oh, if you go online and I, when we post this uh, podcast in the post of the podcast, I'll uh, we can include the links to some of the supplementary materials. Um, Further Google, reading. Google Books. The yeah. the Army Corps of Engineers published a report. Uh, on their uh, operation to salvage and sink the Maine in 1912. Oh, that's cool. The report, the, the book of the report is in public domain now because it's uh, over 100 years old this year. Yeah, that's right. It's 100 years old this year. Look at that. Um, and so um, uh, that book has been digitally uh, preserved and is freely available to view on Google Books. That's so cool. I was looking at the photos of the, the, the you see, like the, the Maine going down. Like they took a photo and that's right there online. So we'll include a link to that. But beautiful. Yeah, so amazing stuff. So the USS Maine, very cool shipwreck story. Lots of layers there. Could go on for a while. But we want to touch on a bunch of different uh, wrecks. So what do you got for I, me, Well, I, I guess it, this brings us into the whole, uh, the, the beginning of the, the 20th century with, I guess, the White Star Line. Yeah. And, and what the was The Cunard class. The... Yeah, at the time, you had... Um, uh, you had things called like the Olympic class ships, right? And uh, they were the largest and the most uh, expensive, luxurious, and feeling because they they gave uh, uh, the, the, their their size gave a feeling of security and, and safeness and, and just you know they were big. They were They're huge. Big. They were and the, the <laughs> friggin' Yulajman. I mean, they were, they were, because it just added to the uh, to the, to, to the, 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 the uh, just the breadth to know that that okay you'll be safe on these things and they're just like floating cities. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in uh, let's see, 
in uh, the Cunard line had yeah. built at the time the Lusitania and the Mauritania, uh-huh. and they they were both uh, known for their speed from getting and they they set a lot of records. I think they're like I forget Blue Star. I think they're, they're these these pennant records that they, they I I that I hadn't that I hadn't heard. So uh, they were built by the Cunard line, which is right. still around the QE2. Yeah, yeah. Now. But the White Star Line, which is sadly not around, they wanted to not be outdone, so they commissioned to have two ships made, mm-hmm. which later turned into three, the first being the Olympic, the second being the Titanic, and then the third supposedly was going to be the Gigantic, but right, they renamed but they it did... to the Britannic. Yes, after, yes. Well, I guess around the, the Titanic sinking. Yeah, we'll, and, we'll, and we'll, we'll get to the Britannic, but we want to go in order, the Olympic. The Olympic, now, at the time, the, the, the Board of Trades actually, for in Britain, rewarded you because they were trying to make ships themselves lifeboats. Okay. So the more wa- watertight and divided into subcompartments they were, the better chance you had. Supposedly. So the, yeah. So, <laughs> that, that was that was the, the, at the time that right. was uh, that that was the, uh, the, the the nomenclature on the block. So they made the Olympic. Now the Olympic never sank, and the Olympic technically. No, it didn't. But oh my God! Yeah. The, um, 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 pardon my French, but the moronic fuckery. Yeah. This. But it's 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 eerie and ironic in a lot of respects. Oh yeah, yeah, eerie but idiotic. The the the, uh, the, uh, the Olympic, its keel was laid in uh, August thirty first of 08. Mm-hmm. Six months later, the Titanic's keel was laid down on March thirty first. Harlan and Wolf yes. shipyards in Belfast. Uh, yeah, uh, Harlan and Wolf did all all the White Star Line yep. uh, ships, and uh, it was completed. Uh, I think in 1911, and it had the Olympic, and it had its its maiden voyage commanded by E.J. Smith. E.J. Smith, who later went on to command the maiden Edward voyage Smith. Of the Titanic. Yes, and uh, they would take the same line every time. They'd take the same uh, uh, route, right? To to go from uh, Southampton, they'd leave. They'd go to to France to Shores. Shores Scherzburg, Cherbourg. Cherbourg, go up to Queenstown in Ireland, mm-hmm. yep. and then they go across to New York. Right. And uh, the uh, Olympic had no incident then, but two years, uh, a couple months, within six or eight months before the Titanic was launched, mm-hmm. the, the Olympic had it had a kind of a weird disaster off the coast of Isle of Wight. Yeah, the the, the collision with the Hawk. Yeah, and the Hawk now. The Hawk was an ancient steamer, right. and believe it or not, the Hawk was designed, the the front of the Hawk, the hull was made out of iron and cement, and was designed to ram and sink other ships. Yes. Now, did you see, <laughs> did you see the, the photos yes. of the prow of yes. the Hawk after it collided with yeah. the Olympic? So, the, 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 I think, what was it, the Olympic came around too quick, yeah, the and Hawk just, didn't have time to move, right, and it, and it just, went right into a starboard quarter. Right, and it just got Mashed. I mean, the front of the hawk just got mashed, and the, and it punctured two of Olympic's uh, watertight compartments. Yep. Completely flooded them. Yep. But it, they were able to get back and twisted the sh- propeller shaft. Yes, and they were able to get back, and I think on under a, its own power, they got back. You're right, and they got back to Southampton, and this added to the allure of unsinkable. Look yes, what just happened. But also, and here was the best part for me yeah. when I was. Because again, Edward Smith is is commanding this, and I just want to Season drop captain. all, all opera, right. I want just want to drop all sorts of like criticism on this guy. So he gets it back, and what the White Star Line has to do, what Harlan and Wolf have to do, is they have to take parts, the propeller shaft, um, from the what is then getting under construction Titanic, and. Use it to repair the Olympic, and this delays delays the the, the completion of the Titanic. So, if Olympic hadn't 
had this like ridiculous accident, the Titanic would have launched. Maybe it wouldn't have been where it was when it was, and had what and, happened and to it happened to on, it. On a side, which is for those conspiracy theorists out there, this uh-huh. is this is hundred year old conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. But some people have ventured to say that there was such problems at the time with the Olympic that while they went back in the dry dock together, there is pictures if you look online of the of the Titanic and Olympic side by side in the dry dock mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. in Belfast that they were switched. And supposedly, uh, the Olympic then was put in the Titanic's place, brought out, sank purposely. They thought that they, because they were unsinkable, they have enough time to get everybody off. They didn't think it would get be, out of town. Yeah, and they 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 take an insurance. This is this is the pure. I was going to say this is this is, but this is what freaking people, tin yeah, hat I know, shit. Exactly. This is great. But this is what people, some people yeah. were saying back then. But to give the size now, the, the Olympic and the Titanic, and later the Britannic were basically identical. Right. The Olympic. Uh, let's see. The uh, they were forty five thousand tons. They were both uh, eight hundred eighty two feet long, six inches eighty two hundred feet uh, six inches long, ninety two feet six, uh, six inches wide, and from keel to the top funnels one hundred seventy five feet. Wow! And wow. Uh, as after the Titanic disaster, they got a little bigger because they had to retrofit the uh, Olympic. Right, and they had to the like Titanic. double double hull them, and triple and stuff. hull, that, yeah, yeah, stuff like that, and. Come to find out after this disaster with the Hulk, the, uh, the, by the uh, court, the uh, Olympic and Smith were ruled against as, yeah. the, as, as they were at fault for this accident. Also, February 1912? Yeah. Loses a propeller blade? Yes. Guess where they get the propeller blade from? Titanic? To replace it? Yes. Yeah, they threw, they threw, they threw so it to Titanic. if I'm Titanic, I'm like, F you, Olympic. I know. What do you keep stealing from me, man? <laughs> But then, so then, uh, when the, when the Titanic, and then the, the the Olympic goes on to have a uh, a rather checkered past, and mm-hmm. goes on. Now, what the, was the ultimate fate of the Olympic? Because I never, the I didn't read that ended far. Up getting retired in the late '30s, and I think scrapped in a lot okay. of the Belfast museums to the Titanic and White Star and, and Harlan mm-hmm. and Wolf. They took out a lot of the original Olympic. Uh, staircase, dining halls, and that's as, as you, exhibits and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's if you go to just the museums okay. now. This is that's the original. For, it was from the Olympic. Their okay. stuff because they're the one that survived. The the difference between the Olympic and the Titanic, which is interesting, is a lot of people when you see that there's you see say motion picture footage of they they purport to be the Titanic being moved, silent footage in in a in a, in a, uh, a harbor. You may be confused. It may actually be the Olympic you're seeing because there wasn't a lot of uh, photograph removing pictures of the Titanic because it was only at one maiden voyage and it mm-hmm. sank. Yeah. But the difference between the two is the top decks, the uh, Olympics promenade deck was completely external, where it was from the from the stern to the to, to the to the to the uh, to the bow was completely you know it was just covered, but but it, you could look out. But the Titanic's near the front. The uh, first class uh, quarters actually extended out to the hull, so they would have private promenade decks. The uh, the first class passengers connected to their rooms. Mm-hmm. So the front of the Titanic and later the Britannic is enclosed, the top part of the deck. And I know it sounds a little confusing, but if you were to look at the two pictures, you can clearly see, oh, that's the Olympic and that's the Titanic. So that was really the only difference visually in 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 these these two ships. Interesting. And, yeah. Uh, the, they had four funnels. 
Yes. Only three of which worked. Right. The fourth right. one Right, I remember, was, now I remember reading that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, the fourth one was used as ventilation, but just basically uh, just as decorative, because if you had four, you looked more strong. Right, you were, you were like, badass. Yeah. yeah. This would be our badass funnel. <laughs> this was, it's that was, that was like the a, technical naval term. Yeah, instead of having, like, a spoiler. Like, the, the four funnel, the mid funnel, the aft funnel, and the badass funnel. You have a badass funnel. <laughs> of course we do, yeah, so sir. Yes, they all go to eleven. All of our, all of our what do you call it? Uh, um, on, on the motors. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, and yeah. So Smith had done this a lot. He he had he had uh, what effed up? Well, well, he, <laughs> he'd done the maiden voyage. Just he's, he he has had a colored pass with uh, the Olympic. He was on it when it threw a propeller and, and other problems. He had maiden voyage to two sister ships. The, the two other ships in the White Star Line, which were sister ships, the Majestic and the Oceanic, mm-hmm. and they they went without any incident. And uh, now now we get into, I guess, the, which is the Titanic. Ti- Titanic. Which, and I mean, what can we say about the Titanic that hasn't already been said? Um, um, uh, it, I mean, it was it was just, I mean, as we record this, we have just passed the 100th anniversary of her uh, sinking. Yeah. And uh, she, she's... Um, now officially um, UN protected. Really? Oh yeah. The uh, apparently there's a law, a, a rule that's long been on the uh, books um, at the United Nations that on the hundredth anniversary of, uh, of of something like the Titanic, the wreckage or ruins or whatever um, become officially. Um, the property of uh, and the responsive conservatory responsibility of the United Nations. So it's not like a world protected heritage site or something so it like can't that. Be, I guess it that, can't that, be salvaged anymore. That it can't kind be, of yeah helps it be uh, yeah respected. I suppose I don't think there's any preserving the Titanic. The yeah, it's at this point. I mean, it's, it's degrading. Exactly. I mean, it's like even between. I mean, from 1986, the original photos that uh, Ballard took when he discovered it back in 1986 to today. Twenty six years later is, uh, is 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 a marked and depressing deterioration of the condition of the wreck. Yeah, it's because it, uh, it's just because of the 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 uh, the, the uh, passage of time. The down yeah, there, the passage eating, of time, um, man. Eating the iron, yeah. eating the wood. It's just I mean that's there's no there's no way around it. Um, you know, so well, it, it's, there's a little lot of little things that I guess people know. Basically, we'd be idiots if we're going to think we can school you in the in the just the, the broad scope of what happened with the yeah. Titanic. But there's little things like, for instance, when uh, the ship was uh, eight people died just building the ship. Mm-hmm. The last of which was killed when the ship was. Uh, was uh, not, it took ninety seconds to get out of the dry dock when it slid into the water. Mm-hmm. The last man was killed, and he was crushed by some support beams and stuff. Now, is that a true story? Is that an urban legend? It's a true story. Okay, yeah. wow. Uh, and so she's finished. She was delayed because of the problems with the Olympic. She's finished. She had her sea trials now, which is interesting that I just learned this weekend. Actually, there were the White Star Line employed a, 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 a gang of eight men, and they were called the Guarantiers. These eight men were the best in their trades, carpenters, motors, uh-huh. technicians, electricians, whatever you needed to build a ship, architect with under, uh, uh, what's his face, um, Andrews, uh, uh, I forget his first name, uh, Jake, not Jake, Andrew, uh, Paul, Jake, Thomas, Thomas Andrews, okay. who, who was the architect of the Olympic yeah. line of ships. So they would go out and they would, they would take the thing out for sea trials and make sure if there's any problems, they would fix it. 
they were all on the modern uh, on the maiden voyage of the Titanic with Andrews, and when it was realized that the ship, you know, would sink, these were the men that kept the ship going until the ship actually sank. Wow. And it's kind of freaky to realize that at a certain time they realize that they're no longer trying to keep it afloat; that they're just trying to delay the inevitable. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's very, very uh, frightening, and it is rumored, which I think has pretty much been confirmed that they were able to keep the lights on to within two minutes or three minutes before the ship sank. Yeah. So that is, if you think of technology in 1912, yeah. to just keeping steam engines going, keeping things, it's not like you can nowadays set it and forget it. You'd have to always be monitoring dials and just to make mm-hmm. sure. These guys and all the, the, the men down in the bottom that the, were doing the, in the engine room, in the coal room, the boiler rooms, they were really, to the end, were keeping these things going so yeah. that, people could could be able to get off. Another amazing thing which I learned this weekend, which I guess is kind of elementary if you think about it, you look at a lot of other maritime disasters like the the, the, the Bismarck, the, the Andrea Doria, now, the one in January. Side sidebar. Yeah. Si- sidebar counselor. Yeah. Um, before we, 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 we get to whatever it was you were just saying, is it is it fair to use the word disaster? To describe um, shipwrecks like the Bismarck or the Amato, given that they were wartime no, I, casualties. No, you're right. I mean, I guess you it's know? a disaster within the actual I mean, the sinking. Titanic, definitely a disaster. And you might even be able to get away with calling the Lusitania a disaster, because while it was a wartime incident, it was a civilian Yeah, it was torpedoed as a civilian um, So, uh, But, but something those, like the Bismarck or the... I think physically the actual the sinking is a disaster because mm-hmm. of the loss of life. But at the time, I guess you can get away with more. It's Wartime, it's it's an act of war. So, war. just a little bit of semantics. But back to your point, um, you were making the the the, the Andrea Doria. You, you take the Andrea Doria. You take uh, like which the, I think we're going to have to get to in the next in special, part two, the Britannic, mm-hmm. and even in January the Concordia. Mm-hmm. All, when these ships took on water, what did they do? They 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 turned on their sides. Yeah, and, and oh yeah, the Titanic. Uh, uh, essentially, at the beginning, was sort of uh, listing to, to, to its port side, mm-hmm. but it always stayed upright. And it has been speculated now that the reason why this happened was because the men down there realized that, and until the last moments, they were actually adjusting the the different sides, the ballasts, to make sure that they were able to best that they can keep this sh- the the flooding a certain way to keep it upright, mm-hmm. so that the people can get off the wow. best they could. You know, a lot of amazing stories, and I got one more bit of cool uh, trivia, but I think it's going to have to wait until we talk about the Britannic. Okay. So uh, now, um, so let's move on to the Britannic. Okay, I got well, I got one more quick. Oh, thing. okay. Uh, another weird thing that happened when the Titanic, it, it, when it was leaving, when it said goodbye to everybody, <laughs> and it was going out of uh, this, uh, Southampton, it was so big it went by the SS New York and the RMS Oceanic. It was these ships were huge. It was so big it started to pull them towards and both yes. their lines broke and the New York actually almost collided with the Titanic if it had not been for the tugboats to get out but it got in within feet and everyone thought for sure that they were actually going to hit and people thought that, hey this is a bad omen but they were luckily within feet they they averted a disaster the ships did not knock into the Titanic it was able to safely get out of the harbor and and to make its final Voyage. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. So, okay, wow. yes, I'm sorry. So we got the, the Britannic, which was not an RMS. 
No, it, it was, was going to be... It was never christened. Right. It was going to be yeah. the RMS Gigantic. Yeah. Then it was going to be the RMS Britannic. Yeah. And then World War One happened, and, and the, the British government says, hey, we, says need your, we need your stuff. So it was officially, proudly, to the end though. of its days, yeah. proudly, till the end of its days, it was the um, HMHS Britannic, His Majesty's Hospital ship. Yeah, it was a hospital. But it, now, which means that which means that now what you do is you want to picture the Britannic in its working days. Yeah. Picture the Titanic, the bones of the Titanic, yeah. painted all white with red crosses and a green stripe. Yeah, on it, the it, side. It, it's it's so amazing to think that uh, you know it was never used for its. Uh, for, it was for, never used as a passenger ship. Yeah, it, 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 it was it was amazing, and uh, the Britannic. It, um, they made all kinds of improvements. Yeah, they they they, they, they supposedly it, they made they they gave it a, a third hull so that if it hit anything, mm-hmm. uh, it would it would be able to be strengthened. It they extended the, the watertight bulkheads up further to like up. B deck. B deck. Uh, it also they 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 uh, the most noticeable difference for external purposes is that they they made the, the you're going to say what I think you're going to say the Davids the Davids you look Huge. at a photo it's funny because you look at a photo of the Britannic in its working days and it's got the lines of the Titanic except like a you know metric buttload of cranes on top you know these lifeboat Davids to have. yeah right but it's just there's so many of them it's like a forest of Davids all of a because sudden because and it's noticeable the ships noticeable. the three ships were designed to be able to carry all those lifeboats but they just thought it would be ugly one and two improbable right. that things would ever sink but after right, exactly. the Titanic they made it and if you look at the pictures of the Britannic it actually has all the ships uh, all the lifeboats uh, three abreast on the boat deck and going up the Davids mm-hmm. and uh it also, like we said, it wasn't it wasn't christened, and it was able to be modified. Where now up to six compartments, because in the in the Titanic only the first four could be flooded in a row. If the fifth flooded, you'd sink. As what happened with the Titanic, they made the Britannic with with extending the bulkhead so that the first six could be flooded, and right. the ship would still. And in the Titanic and the Olympic, they were actually designed amazingly that if you cut them into thirds. They would still float mm-hmm. because technically you'd still only two or three compartments on each thing, so that it could be actually cut into thirds, and the ship would still float. But it's just a freak disaster, which has never happened since. An but it disaster. happened to both the Titanic and the Brit- now with the Britannic. Yes, which is it was a different thing. Yeah. Now I know it sank as a result of an explosion, but mine. was it, it was a mine? It hit a mine off the coast of a Greek island. I th- yeah, I, th- I forget the name uh, of the island. Lia, Lika. Uh, the Kia channel between the island of Kia. Yeah, Kia. Yep. And it and it went down in a matter of like what twenty minutes or so. Something like that. Captain Bartlett survived. Yeah. And he uh, uh, not not due to cowardice. He literally what happened was when the the ship was going down and the water reached the level of the bridge, it actually washed away the sliding door and he got washed overboard. He grabbed onto a deck chair and was found unconscious floating on this deck chair three hours later. And he was picked up and put into a, a, a lifeboat. But I mean, saying so, you, I'm saying for all that, it's like it's not like you know. Oh, Captain Bartlett did not go down with the ship. He was willing to. He yeah, just got watched. He was like, no, I want to stay on board. But he, he but sadly, <laughs> and only and only thirty people lost their lives in the ship, which is, that, which is amazing. Pretty amazing. There was there was over a thousand people on that ship, and they were able to get everybody off. But they also made a good point that that, that they they took if say the Titanic had uh, its capacity like the Britannic had of lifeboats. Even if they they were able to, to, to start doing an orderly fashion of uh, putting everyone in lifeboats, with the time that it took for the Titanic to sink, 
they actually wouldn't have had time to load all the lifeboats. Mm-hmm. So luckily, the Britannic was able to to, to, to get relatively everyone off. Yeah. Interesting, there was a woman who worked for the White Star Line. She was a nurse. Her name was Violet Jessup. She served... Bingo! That was going to be my trivia. Yeah. Violet Constance Jessup. Who actually has a book of memoirs she wrote, which is, I think, available on Amazon. She, I think she published them in the early 50s. Yeah, because she died in 1971, age 83. Yeah, and she, she circumvented the, the, the Earth. Amazing. A, 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 but like, she dude, served she, on the she, Titanic, she, went down, stu- she, survived. She was a stewardess on the Olympics. To, 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 yeah, and she, and she a lot of a lot of the pretentious first class. And then she was a stewardess on the Titanic, and then she, the during the war she entered the service as a nurse, and she was a nurse on the Britannic. Survived and she survived all three! Amazing. Oh my God. And uh, the, the Britannic... It sank and it's it's laying on its um I think it's on its it's, it's, side it's, or on, it's on its side. side now. Do you know who discovered the wreck? This I found interesting. Is it ba- Ballard again? No, 1975. The wreck was discovered in 400 feet of water by Jacques Cousteau. Oh, Cousteau. Jacques Cousteau. Now I I I, I would say that it'd be uh, on purpose. Yes. Yeah. It was yes. like he was just diving off. No, no, no. It wasn't like. What yeah. is this? What what is this enormous thing here? No, it was like yeah. and it, it 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 was the same the the um the the same month that it took off on its voyage was the same month that the Lusitania sank. But yes, we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, but, yeah, but um, it, it's I think it's really amazing that that just the, these ships. I mean, you you take like the Titanic. Another real crappy thing that the White Star Line did was that as soon as the the the, the survivors who worked for the, the White Star Line hit the water. Mm-hmm. White Star Line canned them. And they said, Ugh. you were fired. They got to New York penniless. Uh-huh. And the only way they survived was Woolworths let them stand behind the counters each day and take a collection. And that is the and the money they made each day there from, from donations of people because of this disaster were the only way that these survivors that worked on the Titanic were able to eat and uh, you know put a roof over their heads while they were in New York to, to try to get back to wherever they were going. And, the, and for the Titanic disaster, the biggest uh, town was Southampton that, that, that suffered the most casualties just because of um, the sheer side. There was a coal strike going on, so everyone was out of work, so everyone wanted. They were jonesing and jousting for a job, and they got on the Titanic, and I think it was over 500 men uh, lost their lives all out of – so, like, it was kind of like – Almost like a 9-11 kind of event where, you know, uh, you either knew somebody or your, 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 your sons or daughters went to school with a parent that died in the ship. So it really touched Southampton most as a town the most. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's, it's sad because the White Star Line kind of faded out, uh, you know, and you still, like we said, there's still the Cunard Line. Yeah. But uh, right right now, uh, you know, you, you, they just only live in our memories, these things. So it, it's... It's interesting, and it and it's also it was the ending. I think those the, you know when World War Two kind of kind of put it in. I guess we'll and this will jumpstart us in part two with the Lusitania and yeah. the war. Now here's now now now. So here's my question. So yeah. this is this is a good stopping point to this. For, for for this part of our of our survey of great shipwrecks, we could probably get three parts out of this. You know, well, we which, probably could because we are. I mean, the time we barely is scratched by. the surface, and I and look at look at look at the look at the great uh, amount of stuff we found. But uh, so here's my so one last question possibly yeah. before we uh, we uh, call it a call it a podcast here. Um, you and me, when we were discussing our plans for this one, we yeah. said, okay, in addition to all these famous shipwrecks, the Britannic and the Titanic and the Maine and the Lusitania and all these great shipwrecks that we're going to talk about, we each were going to bring to the table Uh-oh. one 
personal like favorite like one little known like a, personal yeah, favorite like of a, a shipwreck less, well, like a and long. my question to you is is do you think we should touch on one now or save save them for another podcast uh, I, what do you th- would, you, would you like to do yours i'll or? do mine okay. i'll do mine real quick time, because yeah. for for over 20 years okay. i have been um obsessed okay um right with word. with a little bit you know i'm not obsessed but i was always fascinated by a little known um shipwreck story of the morrow castle Now, I learned about this in the mid-1980s. HBO had this little documentary series um, called Catastrophe. And one episode that aired, you know, when they would have a new episode, they would air it repeatedly. So over the course of the month at this thing. In the 80s? Yeah. Sound like their their version of In Search of? Uh, Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, and over the course of the month that this uh, episode was was released, I must have watched it like, I feel like 10, 15 times. It was was called... uh, um, the uh, of the, HBO. The, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was um, called uh, the last voyage, those. the last voyage of the Morrow Castle, and it starred John Goodman. Oh, so it was actually yes, like a docudrama. Radio, as, like exactly. A, okay, it was as, like a documentary. As radio officer George Rogers, you know, uh, a young then, wow, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, John Goodman played him. Anyway, so here's the story in a nutshell, because uh, we are running out of time, but I'll give it to you in a nutshell. Why this is so awesome? The, it was a luxury liner. Um, that was doing the New York to Havana run. What year? Uh, nineteen in the nineteen thirties. Okay. And it operated. Uh, it was launched um, in. Uh, oh man, I'm all the way back in my Britannic notes. That's ridiculous. It was a hospital um, ship. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't even English. Um, it uh, it was uh, launched in nineteen thirty. And uh, it ran for four years. It was doing the New York to Havana run. It was a luxury liner. Apparently, this was back, you know, before Castro, before the Cold War. So, of course. Havana yeah, was a hot, yeah, hot time in the old town. Yeah. When they say hot time in the old town, yeah, Literally, you know, yeah, yeah awesome. So, um, so this was a, a ship doing this run. So, September 5th, 1934, it's uh, off of Long Beach Island in New Jersey. Yeah. Okay. And a fire starts in one of the storage lockers. And um, within a short time, the ship is ablaze. Um, absolutely, on, and I've seen like there there are some photos, some photos that were that people. It was close enough to land that people got wind of what was going on oh, and terrible. got out there to I could see it. You see photos of the ship absolutely on fire. So um, uh, out of uh, out of five hundred and forty nine people on uh, the ship at the time that it caught fire. Um, 135 passengers and crew were lost, but a great many of the uh, crew, of the senior crew, yeah. uh, survived. And so there was a massive inquiry, and great like negligence and incompetence so was the found. Ship sank in- no, no, the ship didn't sink. Here's the awesome bit, or or what? I won't say awesome, but the the compelling bit because this gets back to what we were talking about at the beginning. Just the the, the grandeur, like the sad. Physical, visual grandeur of a, of, 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 a, of, a, of a shattered hull. Yeah. The ship burned out, I mean, but it was still on top of the water. And yeah. it came and it beached itself about 60 feet off of a pier in Asbury Park, New Jersey. And it took six months for, um, it, for, for the rights to get settled and for it to get, like, you know, sold off and scrapped. For those six months, the, like, burned out, like, wreck of the Morrow Castle sat 
just you know a couple dozen feet off of the shore of Asbury Park. And and it was a tourist. Time, it was a tourist attraction. You would get postcards, and people could like wade out, like, like walk. You know, you know, they were told not to. It was like you know not safe, but you could go out. And, that's you know. so. It, that's just like 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 a ship just yeah a, a right hitting. And you just think you go like down the Jersey Shore, which is something I've done many times in my life. Yeah. You know, I live down the Jersey Shore, you know, and you just think what it would be like to go down the Jersey Shore and instead of like all this water and stuff, instead, this big, big like, yeah, bombed out, like, you know, gigantic freaking. because people right, died. Exactly. You know. That's my point. And that, so, and this, the story was compelling and I would love, I'll have to go see if I can't find like a copy of this, doc, sure of this docudrama that's, somewhere. That's great. But, um, At least if you ever yeah, so, you're like, I, I love Jenna. Uh, so ever since, ever since I was a little, ever since I was like, you know, a teenager, I just remember, you know, the Morrow Castle and just the, the images of this ship like on fire floating through the water on like flames and smoke and it's just, Amazing. So yeah, heartbreaking. What so, time of the year was that? Um, that was September. It was so September nineteen thirty four. So yeah, it was. So so well, I think we've discovered that we got a lot of material here. We we'll definitely uh, see you again in part two. We got into. Uh, we're, I guess we're right at the start of World War One. Right. And so so we definitely guess, we kick off with the Lusitania yeah, next, next time. Week. And, so, then, um, uh, and then I, you know, we'll see. If we can squeeze out of that. We can squeeze out of that. So, uh, so good stuff, Dion yeah. Baya. Thank um, you, uh, Brian Zeno of Plan Zeno. Of Plan Zeno. And uh, we'll see you next time on, on our next Shipwreck special here on the Podwitz, uh, on the Podwitz Radio Network. Yes, stay tuned. <laughs> Exciting installment. Uh, well, it's not exciting yet. We hope it will get exciting. I thought it uh, got pretty exciting. I, I thought last time was was fabulous. I Although to it a I feel times. like I feel like we ought to be hearing the uh, haunting music from *Raise the Titanic*. Oh, uh, we're but, bringing *Raise the Titanic* know, up but, again. But uh, sadly, I don't think we could get around the copyright on that one. But man, that's good. That if we wait what sixty years. Sixty maybe we years. Can get if it. we re- if we do a re-release special edition in sixty years, public public domain. Um, yeah, exactly. Da, 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 da. But that's but dude, that's some of my favorite film music. Completely uh, off topic. But yeah, you know. I on, really I, on a side note, if anybody out there has never heard of the book or the movie *Raised the Titanic*, I know it sounds like it's out of date now, but it actually is a great read. It still it holds up as a great it movie. It is a fabulous and book. It, it predates the discovery of the wreck, so it has some stuff that ended up not being true in it like about the Rex uh, condition but it's still one of those great almost um, it's still the plot spy espionage yeah. suspense thriller with a huge famous wreck that they're trying to the, erect right the the, 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 pot, the the plot is fabulous and in the book at least um, the spectacle you know although it's the printed page the spectacle of the discovery and um, 
resurrection of the Titanic is as impressive as you'd hope it was. Yeah. Um, and I thought that the same held true for the 1980 film version, but uh, I know I'm in a distinct and tiny minority. No, I love the it, film version. Uh, it is one of the most no. lambasted films in the history of film. I know, film, but it should but be because I, I watched it I watched it about three years ago when the Titanic exhibit was in New York City at Times Square that I visited, mm-hmm. and it held up great. And yeah. I hadn't seen it since I was a child. Right, and see, I think I'm biased in a way because I did, and this probably has a lot to do but, with you know, why we're talking about this in the first place. But it's Soviets, Dion. it's espionage. Because, right, exactly. You know, so yeah, it has all that in there. So even if you're not like a fan of... Of, or, or a and it's Alec Guinness, for the love of God. Yeah, it's freaking Alec and, Guinness. And, and that's another thing where I'm trying to figure out how old he is because he's like, I took this flag off down off her stern when she was slipping away. But then it's like, well, then if you were 18 then and this is 1980, you're 100 and something years old because he's still kind of... Uh, no, no, he would have been in his 80s or 90s. Um, and he might have... And I know the book was originally released in the uh, earlier in the 70s. Yeah. So uh, there might even be a little fudging that way. It's, so it's either not, way, is, the book is, by Clive Cussler yeah. is probably his best, in my opinion. And check and the, the movie out as the well. The film, uh, in my opinion, the film holds up. It, it so, does in a lot, yeah. of, a lot of things. And as if you like but, the old spy espionage, you know, Cold War, exactly, all good. And then the Titanic shit. thrown in just to just to have some fun. Good shit, people. So we we, we, we left off kind of at the end of World War, what the beginning of World War One, beginning of World we, War One. We, we actually we talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about maybe about five. Yeah, we. We, we kind of so, really got uh, into the weeds, so not in a bad way. I but, guess uh, World War One had started okay. around 1914. Uh, goddamn, um, what's his face? Franz Ferdinand. Franz Ferdinand. The guy, the guy tries to shoot him in a parade. Uh, the gun misfires. He runs away, uh-huh. reloads the gun, comes back the <laughs> block away, gets a second chance, shoots Franz Ferdinand. He dies. The guy tries to run away and commits suicide. Police are on him. He jumps into the river, does not commit suicide, and is arrested and imprisoned in World War One. And I know I've heard, and I know I've heard his name, and I can't remember it now. But again, yeah, the beside, assassin. Yeah, yeah beside the point. Yeah. So how ridiculous! But so, Franz Ferdinand is not a band. It's a guy who was assassinated in, in 1914. War started World War One. Here so, we go. And so, so that Titanic brings us about to right, and because of World War One, right? And we've got the uh, RMS Lusitania. Yes, oh, uh, the Lusitania. Yeah. Oh, the Lusitania. It, 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 was, it, was, it was very weird back then because at the time America wasn't in the war yet. They were very much isolationists. You know what? We don't oh, have yeah. anything to do with what's going on in the world. We still have a two oceans as a, as a buffer, so we can just sit here with our fingers and our ears going, we'll, nah, just, nah, let, nah, we'll nah. just let those furners blow the shit out yeah. of each other. And it got kind of dicey around 1940. 14, 15, 16, because at the same time, although America didn't want to be in the war, we were still having regular daily uh, nautical travels, transatlantic back and forth. So, you know, we had a lot of uh, foreigners, immigrants coming over and going back to visit. So it's like there was, it's just like today, like, you know, people flying back and forth and having a big war in England and Germany and France. And, you know, so it was almost starting to affect us and we didn't want it to. So now um, the Lusitania uh, brings up uh, a theme, not a theme, but something that we're going to see uh, more than once over the course of uh, this this historical overview of the shattered hulls variety. Yes, yes. Part and, two. Uh, part if we haven't two. Established that yet? Yes. And um, and uh, it, which is that the Lusitania began its life as a straight up civilian passenger liner, but as most of these do, as a lot of them at this, did at this time, and. Um, what happened was when the war broke out, it found itself pressed into service by the British military as a um, 
really an evacuation ship, I believe, or a transport. Yeah. Um, was it ever officially? Was it ever officially renamed or rechristened as a military vehicle? Do you no, know? No, it never. So it remained when it, technically when it sank, a civilian it was, vehicle. It was on a commercial. Okay. Uh, it was supposedly on a commercial. Okay. Um, uh, cruise, like it was. It was bringing. It was trafficking. Uh, people who pay tickets from America to go mm-hmm. over to uh, Europe, mm-hmm. and that's when she hit. And a lot of this is the time that we have that, I guess, Monday morning quarterbacking. Or is that the right word? Where we know After, now, yeah, yeah, twenty twenty hindsight yeah, and all that. Back then, yeah. people didn't know. At the same time, although uh, America, what didn't want to get into the war, we still had to somehow morally and if we could physically support our allies. And if you're getting pounded by the Kaisers in Germany, uh-huh. we started, okay, we'll do what we can. And we will start secretly transporting, uh, munitions, uh, rations, right. uh, Weapons, what, what, aid, what they any call aid, we aid could, yeah. we could give them, but it, w- it was kind of very dubious because it was under the guise we were doing it on a, uh, on a on a cruise ship. So this was all in the cargo hold, and then Germany got wind of this, and Germany was like, "Octune, Octune, <laughs> you can't be doing this stuff." You, you know, you, you really and and Germany started putting out notices in the in New York papers saying like, you yes, know, yes, like at travelers, least, at least they 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 did put out warnings. It wasn't that they didn't. It wasn't that you were didn't get told that you were sort of you know sailing at your own risk. As yeah, it were. and they were, they, were, they started putting out uh, very noticeable warnings in very high end New York Times papers right next to. I mean, there's a notice: uh, the Lusitania departed from Pier 54 in New York on May 1st, 1915, and right next to printed adjacent to the advertisement for its uh, voyage was this warning from Germany saying, you know what. You're going into international waters. There is a war on. Mm-hmm. If something happens, we do have U-boats, uh, submarines out there. You know, if we think something's up with you, you may get yourself roped into the war. And at the time, people thought, well, why would they? But they didn't have the 2020 knowledge that we had that that uh, our military was actually uh, supporting the, the war effort over there. And, uh, I mean, at the time... Uh, according to international law, any military vessel stopping an, an unarmed civilian ship was required to allow everyone on board to get off before they right. sank. And, and this was the turning point. Right, and that, despite, I mean, we can sit here and say, oh, what chivalrous chaps those crowds, they... No, but, they, they, this but, was, then, but then, you know, for all the warning they gave, then they still went and contravened that... Yeah, uh, that convention of, of warfare. Because at, at the time, the Lusitania was traveling without any flags, and its name was painted over with darkish dye. Was it really? Yeah. So okay. when they when they went up to inspect it, it had no neutral. Because the Germans after this was like, okay, you know what? If if you have neutral flags, we will then we will let you go. But then they realized the British would just put neutral flags on the ship when they'd be in the territory, and they were still getting their stuff through. So. It, it it gets very controversial here. It's just, it yes. gets very no. So. But the interesting controversy for me, or at least another interesting controversial aspect of the sinking of the Lusitania for me, is what specifically happened to the Lusitania. Because to this day, yeah, it's, accounts it's, it's, differ. Yeah. You know, people um, there there are accounts that say that the Germans um, launched two torpedoes. The two torpedoes exploded into the Lusitania. But the U-boat guys themselves say, yeah. no, we only fired the captain, one. It's recorded in the, in the log that only one was fired. Right. And he, he even put in the log that, that he noticed uh, a severer than usual explosion occurring when that one torpedo went. 
You're right. And he found it odd, and um, so they they watched it sink from the uh, from the actual. I think there's actually which they declassified years later. There might be a picture or two from the periscope of. Oh really? You know, oh, I would be interested to see those. If if those if those uh, photos turn up, we will uh, be sure to try and post them on uh, Podwits.com. So what happened? Uh, it's go it's going uh, and. Um, uh, suddenly, off the 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 starboard, the right side, mm-hmm. uh, either one or two torpedoes are fired at it out of the blue, and it, it's hit on the starboard side. And, and immediately, there's a huge explosion. Some people would say a secondary explosion, which may indicate a second no. torpedo, or, or possibly could yeah. indicate the presence of munitions and explosives yeah, of that the kind and that, that stuff that wasn't supposed to be on there that wasn't supposed to be on the Lusitania. So triggered and blew up. There's and, there's some intrigue here, uh, and, and what, what ends what ends up happening is that the ship goes down wickedly quicky, quick. If that's Ooh, even. It goes down wicked quick, wicked quick, and uh, it's it, it's uh, it's sad because what happens is. Uh, you know, the, the power goes off and it, it plunges everyone in the darkness. People are stuck in the elevators, in the lifts. It starts tilting 15 degrees to starboard, which means many of the lifeboats can't be used because of such of the tilt of the ship. And uh, there are reports that lifeboats overturn. Uh, people were spilling into the sea. The yeah. sea was just as cold as when the Titanic was. And... Uh, it's just, it's just, it's, it, it, it's, it's really sad, and, and, and total evidently, the Lusitania had uh, forty-eight life, lifeboats, and only like something like uh, six were successfully launched. Really? Yeah. Oh, man, that is that is bleeding tragic. Yeah. I have to say that is that is a na- naval tragedy, and it, it sank off the Irish coast. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, on board there were uh, one thousand nine hundred fifty-nine passengers and crew. Uh, and 1,195 people were killed or wow. lost to the sea. So not quite as many as uh, Titanic, but... But it's still... I mean, not that we're keeping score. That would be extremely gruesome. But, yeah. you know, just... It's it's in that ballpark. And, and, and to this... T- and when it went down, a lot of people, you know, Germany was like, you know, this is why we did it. And America was like, well, no, you should have done it. British were like, it's an outrage. <laughs> and it's sad because... Every side kind of played it up prop- propagandically. Oh yeah! To, to oh their my benefit. God! It became remember the Lusitania. Yeah, and that was one of the things that got uh, uh, America into World War One. Woodrow mm-hmm. Wilson. He was trying to push the American public to get into the war again. The American public was like, you know what? We don't want to, you know, no, hear no evil, see no evil. It's not bothering us. It's not on our shores. So let's not deal with it. But I have in my bathroom, there's a poster that's a very famous, uh, maybe not nowadays, but there's a very famous poster at the time of, uh, it's a drawing, uh, very well done, of a woman clutching a baby underwater drowning. And it says, uh, uh, you know, remember, or let's not forget. And that was the poster they plastered all over America. Yeah, probably. And that really got us into yeah. the war. It's like, look what these Germans who, they, they, they didn't care about who was on it. They torpedoed us, and we're not even in the war. And look how gr- gruesome they could be. Ugh. And what the hell. What you know? the hell. So the, the captain of the ship was, uh, eventually when, 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 when the, the, the inquiries court was convened, he was absolved of all blame. Did he go down with the ship? No, he survived. Oh. He survived. And eventually, the German government paid uh, $2.5 million in 1925 uh, as restitution. But well, It's uh, not a bad amount of uh, restitution for 1925. Uh, uh, many witnesses, which is interesting, testified that across the ship, since no one knew what was happening, a lot of the portholes were open at the time of sinking. Ah, so experts have confirmed that, that much. if a three-foot-in-diameter porthole was open... 
and was underwater, it would let four ton- tons of water in per minute. Oh, so that could contribute man. to the reason why the, uh, why the ship, uh, you know, sank so so fast and so um, and so unceremoniously, which is which is quite unceremoniously. <laughs> there wasn't much ceremony, just a lot of sinking. Um, and then they went back to the Ballard. Yeah, he went yeah. and looked it up, and then he raised some sort of weird theory that he thought. That, yeah, uh, you read he, about that. Yeah, he he had a theory. See, the problem is the reason that it is still not known what exactly happened to the Lusitania in terms of the actual damage and the actual incident is because she sank in not a whole, whole lot of water, um, relatively speaking, off the Irish coast, I believe it is. And um, so the wreck is relatively easy to get to and they've pretty much known where it is all along it wasn't like a uh, it wasn't like the titanic where it was lost for decades yeah, they, and they, they knew they've known yeah. where it is the thing is when it went down it went down on its side and the side that was damaged is the side is the side that's down so there's no way really then recently they've employed some high tech yeah, uh, sonar stuff you know so they they've just they've they've tried to employ some imagery to get a look at the side that's down so that you know to try and you know get some information more data that can clear up the mystery of what actually happened to the Lusitania but to this day they don't really know and I know Ballard. I, I, I now for it's funny because for the life of me, I can't remember what Ballard's Fakakta theory is now. Ah, hold on, this just in. <laughs> Gucci just handed me a dispatch, if you will. Um, uh, he he uh, apparently he believes in a coal dust. Yeah, he explosion. thought when the first torpedo hit, it threw all the coal dust into the air, and then there was spark. a spark. And but a lot of experts now have kind of debunked that, saying, "Yeah, you know it's, what? it's crazy." There, there were so many people that actually survived from these boiler and, rooms, and they with it sinking, the coal dust would have been damp. It would have been wet, and yeah, that would so have been no, hard to catch. There's, so there's, there's no possible way that uh, that this could be uh, this could be happening, but. Oh, uh, according according to according to this dispatch that I'm holding a like I have an earpiece and I don't really, <laughs> I'm making like Walter Winchell. Um, according to the dispatch I was just handed, um, apparently right now the leading theory is the uh, ship's steam generators oh. as a, as the second explosion. Well, because they, they which I guess is possible. America ended up releasing their 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 uh, secret. Um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Files. Yeah, on on their uh, their log or whatever you call. What do you call that when you have what you what you have on a ship? It's called a. Uh, uh, let me see your 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 uh, yeah, well, log. Your log. Yeah, your log book. And they they had uh, four million two hundred uh, rounds on it, rifle rounds, one thousand two hundred fifty empty shell casings, and eighteen cases of non explosible fuses. So they're trying to say, you know what? Even all the stuff we did have on it, that should have necessarily... That should, yeah, that could not have resulted in the kind of explosion. You know, the world may never know. But you know what? There's there's an interesting part to this. That in the 1950s, people were diving on the ship. Okay. they, they, They discovered, or... In the 90s, they were diving on the ship, and they discovered that the the wreck is now almost like Swiss cheese because in the 1950s, the British, for some reason or other, were exploding depth charges over the ship. Really? And and, and people who lived off the coast in Ireland would hear at night 
that, that that they were blowing up over the site. And they've actually said, "Why are you doing this?" And, and the, the, the British, uh, they 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 said we weren't doing it. It was kind of like a like a black helicopter kind of thing. And people <laughs> think that they were trying to destroy the wreck so that people it would be unattractive for for salvage or people couldn't go down and further investigate what the hell was down there. So that doesn't lend a lot of oddness to it and they found a lot of unexploded hedgehog mines laying on the ship that didn't oh. go off so why would the British in the 1950s after World War One and after World War Two, be suddenly interested in just blowing up they say well, it was just uh, you know practice they were just trying to you know, oh of course you know, practice he says with sarcastic air quotes but, but, uh, but people su- suggest that the Navy was deliberately trying to destroy some sort of evidence well, now, this, this segues quite nicely into the next wreck I would like to talk about. Last survivor, sadly, oh. of the Andrea Dora passed away. Of the Andrea Doria. I'm sorry. I'm not even at the Andrea Doria yet. I'm sorry. Of the uh, Lusitania. <laughs> she died uh, uh, January 11th, 2011. Oh, She was wow. three months old when she was on when it sank. And the, the, before that, another she died uh, April 2008. And the one before that was December so She would have been eight. She would have been about 100, 99 or yeah, 100. so that, that, that was the last... Um, known or survivors of the Lusitania. Yeah. So, your segue, sir. I'm sorry. So, I'm sorry. That segues, the, all that stuff about the 50s, that segues really nicely into the next track I'd like to talk about. And we're fast-forwarding a bit, but I think that, that largely covers yeah. uh, World War One. Yeah. So, we're fast-forwarding a bit to World War Two, and this yeah. is a wreck that I didn't know about until you mentioned it to me, and I did some, uh, I did some uh, reading on the topic, and it's a great story. It's, it's actually, and no one knows you, about it. Right. It's right. The fact that the magnitude of it and that nobody knows about it, but the reason that it segues so nicely is because again of the, the British black helicopter stuff, is, as we're saying. Same so what we're talking about here is the RMS Lancastria. Now, as Dion mentions, people don't really know a lot about the Lancastria. It's not a well-known disaster, but it's actually, potentially, because there's so much... Um, Controversy, or, or I should say, um, the facts of the matter remain in dispute. So there's, it's possibly the most egregious maritime disaster. It, it actually surpasses the combined losses of this 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 ship surpass the Titanic and the Lusitania combined. Now I'm going to need you to explain a little to me because here's what I know. Here's what I know, and I'll give a brief overview for uh, for the peeps. Um, of the little-known um, RMS Lancastria. Um, started out its life at, uh, under the name Terenia. Yeah, but people complained. But people couldn't, they couldn't say they said, you know, we can't, we can't pronounce it. So uh, four years later, it was... It was it was uh, launched in 1920. It was 19- a Scottish ship, yeah, and it was doing it was doing the uh, I believe Edinburgh, yeah, Edinburgh, um, Edinburgh to, to Montreal, to Montreal, run. yeah, and, uh, and so it was doing that, and then um, and it, it, it was launched in 1920, so it had a lot of years of good yeah. service under its belt. And then before they changed World the name, War, gets right, Cunard gets it, and they and changed it the name the to Lancastria, New York run, and it's uh, yeah. so it was renamed the Lancastria. Now what happens is passenger line, right? One, 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 we don't need we don't need the badass funnel anymore. Right, exactly. No, that those days have passed. It was just a one funnel, but it's a it's a pretty impressive ship. The badass funnel. But I um, made me laugh, so I kept listening to that. Right? <laughs> this is the ad, this is the forward, this is the ad, this is the song. And this is our badass funnel. We have a badass funnel. Of course we do. No, but so it got in, in 1939, 1940, around about World War II, as World War II is is, is raging, it got uh Shanghai, as the British military too. was was wont to do, and uh, and uh, became the RMT. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lancaster. It became officially a troop ship. 
And in 1940, it was June of 1940, I forget the exact date, but June of 1940, it is, it is participating in Operation Ariel, which is the follow-up to the big evacuation of Dunkirk. Yeah. Very famous operation there where they evacuated a ton of troops off of the beaches at Dunkirk. Yeah. Um, now, Operation Ariel is the follow-up where they are evacuating British nationals from na what is, at that point, German-occupied France. Yeah. And you did do your research. Uh, well, it's, this is just the so he's it's, doing this all off the top of his head. And I, have, and I have three assistants here <laughs> handing me notebooks, and he's just holding, he's holding like Biggie his Smalls holding holding his large spiral bound tomes. Yeah, of, he's uh, like Biggie. He has yeah. all the rhymes in his head. All the rhymes in my head. So so they're so they're evacuating people, and they're getting the hell out of France, yeah. and they're they're right there, and on the afternoon of June seventeenth. Um, out of the clear blue sky, the Junkers from the uh, Luftwaffe yeah, come, they, they come roaring in air raid in 20 horrible minutes. It's bombed. It starts leaking fuel and, 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 and all into the sea. It capsizes and sinks completely. And the whole thing from start of bombing to slipping under the water, 20 minutes. Yeah, they, they, there was a couple of ships there. That managed to get off a lot of survivors. Now, here's where you can maybe step in and elucidate some of the um, hidden knowledge, some of the arcania of the Lancastria incident for me, uh, Dion. Because from what I read, it's not truly known for sure how many people were on board the Lancastria when it got bombed. No. So you've got the official count of known dead is 1,700 and change. Around that. But the people who are today agitating for, you know, more recognition of the Lancaster disaster, it's the 100th anniversary of the Titanic, so, yeah, so remembrance of such like, things is trendy and fashionable, yeah. and everyone's like, Titanic was horrible, we don't want to take away from that, but, you know, this was the, the biggest. Also the British wanted to acknowledge This was the biggest. Well, right. So you've got... The fact that no one knew to begin with how many people were on board, and you've got the fact that as soon as it happened for morale reasons, the British government clamped down yeah. on all, well, they like, yeah. they put out a D-notice. Yeah. Uh, that's for, for people who don't know the D-notice is the British um, government puts out a D-notice, basically says to the media, do not publish reports of this incident for reasons of national security. So to, like I say, six you know? weeks after. Oh, they did it anyway. Yeah. They did it Eventually, anyway. There was though, The Guardian did, put, yeah. put a picture, a photo of the capsized Lancaster on its front page. Yeah. Great photo, by yeah. the way. Yeah. But my point is, is that, but the British clamped down on, the government clamped down on it, and and that plus the fact that no one knew to begin. Nobody. So the people today who are agitating for more recognition of the Lancaster disaster are saying that the loss of life was 4,000. Yeah. It, now, it, now explain to me this discrepancy between the official death count of 1,700 and change, 1,748 or something like that, and the 4,000 dead that the rememberers are well, claiming. Well, I've I've heard ranges that it goes from 4,000 up to 9,000. Well, that, from what you I know, understand, that's so how I many people could have been uh, on it yeah. at, to begin with. But let's not at forget, over two, over almost 2,500 people were rescued by the various so other ships that about, came to the scene. And then they're saying how many more people... Perish. So there could have been. So let's estimate. So there might have been as few as four thousand, maybe as many as nine thousand. But let's, for the sake of the, argument, if the four thousand is correct, then we're talking somewhere around sixty-five hundred. I mean, the the, the the ship's official capacity was only two thousand two hundred, including yes. 
but 375 crew members. That is a great. That's a great but bit of the story. Is the captain, Captain Sharp, was specifically Rudolph told. Sharp. Yep, he by was the Royal told. Navy, I love this they part. They said to load as many people as possible without regard to limits set down by international. Yeah, law. we don't care what the specs yeah. say, Captain every, Sharp. So it's like you stuff this thing to the gills. You get all those people yeah. out of there. So you, it kind of you love that, it. That kind of gives you the situation. Of, you know, were they like? Was the the, the the front line like I'm less than a mile away. Right. You know. I, I mean. I'm not I mean. France. Here. 1940. Yeah. Was France occupied. was not a cool place to be. I know. My grandmother was there. Yeah. My grandmother was in France in 1940, and her whole family, and you know, not a good place to be. And and, and they were trying to get them off. And there was there was a lot of other people there. There was another ship that when the first uh, air raid that got bombed and sank, and the Lancastria didn't really know what to do, and. The other escort ships were like, well, get the hell out of here. But it's like, well, we won't have any escorts. So they decided to hang out. And then 10 minutes later, another wave of... Uh, the Junkers came in, yeah. Yeah. And they bombed bombed the ship. And like he said, I mean, it took three direct hits on the starboard to port side. Rolled over uh, and sank within just 20 minutes. Just rolled right over. Yeah. And then, 1,400 tons of oil leaked into the water. Right, and a number of the people, a number of the people who died, they say, didn't die from drowning. No. They died because they choked on yeah. the oil in the water. They died either from uh, being set on fire, choked by oil, or oh. shot at by the Germans who were strafing the area. Yeah. Afterward, the Germans had no. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> this was after World the War Nazis, One. man. You know, were just, I mean, you know, as evil as you've Nazis. heard the Nazis, as evil as you've heard the Nazis were. They're probably more evil than that. Yeah, and they were, they were, uh, you know, one boat, the, the Cambridge Shire, took like 900 people out of the water. Yeah. You know, so. Just there, were, a, there were just a staggering number of people there were 2, involved in this incident. 477 survivors, of whom 100 were still alive in 2011. So that's amazing. Okay, so that's pretty amazing. So, yeah. so you think about over almost 2,500 uh, people who survived this. Mm-hmm. So you can, and that is the that's over the capacity of the ship. Right oh there. my God! Right there, that's over. Right. Yeah, and the people that survived. So I so would just venture bare, to say bare minimum. Bare minimum, we're talking somewhere around four thousand people. It had yeah. to be because you, because you know, because you've got the seventeen hundred and change. Um, I, I keep making them sound like coins, no, but no, you know, no, no. So the seventeen hundred plus officially recognized listed dead. Yeah, the twenty four hundred survivors. That's forty one hundred right there. And then you think about how much it was such an incident that the British didn't want to one publicize about it and two talk about it. So that must mean that there was a tremendous amount of life that yeah. was lost that yeah. day. So and it's 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 just the scale of the Lancastria tragedy absolutely beggars the imagination. And, and there was a big government cover up, and the survivors and the crew of the ship were, were did not discuss the disaster because they were fear of a court martial. Mm-hmm. And the British government refused to take uh, to make the site a uh, war yes, grave under this the protection is, of this military is, remains. They are still until 1986. That's when they finally declared. Oh, that they site. did finally do it because yeah. I'd heard. I'd heard but they that wanted they, some they, official ceremonies and stuff. Yeah, this is what they're fighting yeah. now. And the British like, we don't need to. You know, it's, it's in the past. Let's not, not talk. Yeah, about the, it. when it comes to some of this stuff, the British government. You're pretty dodgy, British government. Yeah, well, you know, they're, they're doing that black helicopter thing. Exactly. Why, you know, I think it's, exactly. they, they, were, they were doing something they weren't supposed to do. And uh, it, it's just it's such an amount, a uh, huge amount of loss of life. And it just, you don't hear about that ship. And you know about, of course, fittingly, the Titanic and the Lusitania. And we talked about the Britannic. But it's like that the death toll was more than both those two ships combined, the Lusitania and the Titanic. And it's amazing. Now, um... 
No, you're 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 absolutely right, and I'm just uh, I'm just uh, keeping my eye on. I mean, that's the amazing thing about these shipwreck specials that we're doing, Dave. I gotta say, is is how. You know, we, 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 we sat there and we're like, oh, we're going to talk about shipwrecks and I don't know if we're going to be able to fill an entire special. Here we are getting like, you know, getting on to the end of the second and I think special we're going and have we're, we're going to have to have a third one because we've still, you've still got two interns with thick ring bound tomes standing here. Now, why they're oiled up and in loincloths, I don't know. That's between you and your God. They're but, eunuchs. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't, but, I don't know why I would have they have no sexual arousal. What's right, right, right. Because because so, otherwise, otherwise well, this would. I, I think but, we have um, time to to, to, to well, talk about two more shifts before, that will end us in World War Two, and we can end this. Okay. There. Now, I personally, my vote would be to skip over the Bismarck okay. because the because as as spectacular as the images of the wreck are, yeah. you know, Ballard found the wreck. Um, pretty spectacular images, really interesting stuff. But that's really all it's got to recommend. Yeah, well, it, 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 to yeah. me. A quick, yeah. a quick story of it, it. It was a huge German battleship. Nazi swastikas all over. Went out and just laid hell in in, in the north. Yeah, it was, it was. It was. It a was. It was destroying. Ass. It took the hood out, which was a huge battleship of of Britain. And there was a huge battle. And at the one point, the its rudder gets taken out. The Bismarck, yeah. and no one knows it, but it's laid adrift and it can't steer. And it's lost. Like I mean, the allies on our side can't find where it went. So then it's the, it's termed sink the Bismarck. We're going to yes. find this son of a bitch, and we're, we're going to sink it. Send it. To Little the did we know that the rudder was not working, so it didn't really know where it was going. A couple days later, uh, the British and the Americans found it and bombed the living shit out of it <laughs> so hard it sank. And uh, sadly, I think then we didn't go back for its crew. Right. So uh, right. a lot of so people perished. We... Were a lot of Traditionally, we would pick up. Then not the much honor in war. It, yeah, it seems, but usually yeah. in World War Two, we were up until that point. Yeah. But there was such hatred of what the Bismarck had done to yeah. ships in the uh, British channels and Northern mm-hmm. Atlantic. So that saying, and then for years again, people didn't know where it was, and then it was discovered. Discovered, but um, so that's so that's, that's another one to look up. Another gonna, yeah. another good one, another good one that we can kind of. And it, this one's always been notable to me for other reasons. Is the Yamato, oh, it's a, yeah. a great battleship of the Japanese fleet. Now the reason. The only reason that it's noteworthy to me is because of Space Battleship Yamato, the famous yep. anime from the 1970s, uh, currently remade and airing in Japan. Um, no plug there. No plug there. Um, but um, which, which basically this anime purport, um, the the story of the anime is that Earth has been bombarded and is by radiation bombs by an alien race and is nearly uninhabitable. And so what the what the what the what the surviving Earthlings have done is um, basically the the bombardment has dried up the oceans. So what they so which has which has uncovered um, revealed to the sky the remains of the of the Amato. Yeah. And so they they fix uh, they refit it to become a spaceship. Seriously. And send it off to a, a so faraway it's, planet it's the where we can the, get uh, where we can get the um the 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 cure for the radiation so that we can take the earth back and you know defeat the aliens that are that are bombing us now. So that's that's the anime. Oh, so I didn't but, know that it was that but it's like the enduring for me since I was 8 years old the the image of this it was imported back in 1980. It was imported to America under the name Star Blazers, but yeah. the ship was renamed the Argo because that obviously had more echoes in Greek myth. Oh. And Yamato 
has still, I guess, at that point, 35 years after the end of yeah. World War II, still had a lot of um, uh, associations with well, um, the bad parts of the Japanese it's, Empire yeah, it's, that it's had waged war against World us War in World II, War II. That, that the Nazis, you know, people who fought in the Western theater, they didn't so much hold a grudge against the Nazis as much as people who fought in the Pacific. I mean, yeah, the, no, the, 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 I've heard stories the where personal the nature vets, of yeah, the... Yeah, they the, still, there was still, even after the war, 20, 30 years, there was a hatred for the Japanese just because of how how ruthless and how, how just brutal. how bad yeah. the war went. Yeah, the war so, was, it was not a good war. It was not the good war yeah, in the they, Pacific. They kind know? of... Uh, after Germany, okay, they learned their lesson in the 50s. People kind of forgave them. But still, Japan still suffered, like, you know, how unbelievable. And I think that lends itself to why maybe you're saying. Yeah, they, they changed, they, they the, changed name. the name. But the fact of the matter remains is that for my whole life, one of the most indelible images in my brain is the Yamato. Yeah. The shape of the Yamato. I look even now at a photo of the Yamato and it's. The Argo to me, but floating through space, like passing through space. I would have to look space, it up because I didn't know that it actually really, took it was, that, you know. Yeah, and, and it's... I it's, thought it was just another name, like, because in Star Trek, the first I knew about no, it... No, it was really, actually the Yamato. In, in the Star Trek, is there's a Yamato. Yeah. And uh, the Yamato isn't one... Isn't that... That's a, there's a famous... See, if, if we had Jay Marcus here, he'd be able to... Yeah. to <laughs> he would be able to eliminate us on all things. But there, there, there is a Yamato, and there's a huge thing that goes on. I think it's like Star Trek 2, something blows up. Remember, it's very famous, mm-hmm. the, the Yamato ship. But uh, Yamato, when it was made... And it's funny, up until that time, everybody, maritimely wise, when you design a ship, you would say to yourself, you want to make it in certain parameters because uh, they usually use the, 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 uh, the Panama Canal. And they wanted to make sure that you could fit it through the Panama Canal. And one of our biggest ships, which I forget, our biggest battleship, maybe the Missouri, has maybe one foot of clearance on each side, which is pretty slim. The mm-hmm. Japanese said to themselves, wait a minute, you know, we, we eventually, we never conceivably ever can ever think about going through the, the Panama Canal, so screw it, who the hell cares? So they built the biggest ship, a battleship ever made. And mm-hmm. this thing was huge. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't really give off stats off the top of my head, but this dwarfed the size of anything we had and this was just a fuck off <laughs> battleship you know and it and it's it has a very sad uh thing because yeah. when it was it, its sister ship when it came out the musashi yeah they were the head of the uh the flagship for the for the japanese fleet and they were both lost and uh the yamato kind of never really saw the fighting it was intended to see because by the time it was really but it was war but it was yeah, the war was coming too close. But that's part of what makes it notable because the 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 day like the the Yamato the the singing of the Yamato was part of that like last ditch sort yeah. of you know the J- Japanese were losing ground, they were running out of resources, the the Allies were closing in, so they they were trying to to stray off a homeland invasion of their homeland. Yeah. So they were sending out everything in the kitchen sink. So sadly, they sent the Yamato out, and they said, you know, you're not coming back. You know, and, and that's uh, and you have to even the name is 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 I mean it's a very patriotic name for the Japanese because Yamato was the original name of the land like before it was you know Nihon the land of the rising sun it was Yamato and so I mean literally like imagine like America like the United States sending out the SS United States and it meeting a tragic fate like that would be like knew. you know it's going out you're not yeah. said to you well that's go out very Japanese yeah, it's like, very you Japanese. Know. <laughs> Yes. But anyway, 
We are uh, we were down to about our last five minutes or so, and uh, so last time, you know, as the as our as our first half of our Shattered Hull special wound down, I shared the story of my uh, little known uh, little favorite little known uh, uh, maritime disaster, the uh, SS Morrow Castle. Um, and this week, uh, Dion, it's your turn. What's your uh, what's what's your little known uh, shipwreck the, of note? The uh, P.S. General Slocum. The General Slocum. Heard of the General? Slocum. I don't think I've ever heard this name. The General Slocum was a uh, three-story high uh, side river wheel boat paddle. Oh, boat. a paddle boat. Okay. And it basically uh, went a river boat, yeah. Brooklyn and New York, ferrying people back and forth from Brooklyn and New York. And it was... Um, now, when was this? This was... It, it was launched in 1891. Oh, okay. So we're back in the 19th yeah, century. In 1904, it was, uh, it was actually... Um, it was chartered by the St. Mark's Evangelical Lutheran Church <laughs> uh, in Little Germany, district of uh, Manhattan, to bring, for its annual trip, it would bring uh, over 1,400 of its... Uh, People across, women and children, to this little thing they were going. They were going across the East River to, Brooklyn. to Long Island Sound. Okay. Locust, they were going across Long Island Sound to Locust Grove to a picnic site in Eaton Neck, Eaton Neck, Long Island. Okay. And uh, on, um, let's see, on June 15th, 1904, it was going across. And what happened was uh, the, a fire started in the lamp room. Uh, because back in the day, you had these things called lamps. Yeah, back in the day, you had these things called lamps. <laughs> we did we did not have light bulbs. We had lamps. Had, and it was in the forward section of the ship, and it caught fire by maybe a discarded cigarette, or they don't know, and it was fueled by straw, oily rags, and uh, oil, strewn at lamp oil, and it just burst into flames. And oh. the, the captain... Uh, he didn't try to beach the son of a bitch. He just tried to keep going and go faster. So what he basically did was fan the flames. So he, so he's so, thinking he'll beat the fire to shore. Yeah, but he actually fanned the flames. Now, you have to imagine everybody on the New York side and Long Island, Brooklyn side are seeing this. Mm-hmm. So this is a huge, huge thing. It's in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. And... Um, they try to. They start trying to get off now. Little do they know that the uh, the fire hoses to put the fire out. They they've been so uh, poorly t- treated that when they try to pull them off to, to put they water just, in, they fall apart. Oh. the the lifeboats are wired into place. Ah, oh. the. The boat is painted with flammable paint. Oh my God! Oh, the, the humanity. The life preservers were actually. I'm picturing. I'm picturing like the Hindenburg on the water. That's like basically what it was. The, the, the hoses rotted, and the lifeboats were uh, were wired into place, and the life jackets were just filled with cork that would fall apart. And people said that they were they were putting the life jackets on the women and ch- the children, throwing them into the water, and they would just sink. Oh. And because some suggested that the manager of the life preserver manufacturer actually placed iron bars inside the cork preservers to meet the minimum weight requirements at the time. Oh, you're shitting so me. So then people were jumping into the water, but the women's clothes at the time, the Victorian dress, were pulling them down. Very heavy, yeah. So uh, it's total pandemonium. And uh, the captain actually jumps ship. He leaves everybody to 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 uh, to, 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 to die yeah. basically. And finally, the thing beaches uh, uh, on North Brother Island, just off the Bronx River, the Bronx Shore. And it estimated that uh, one thousand twenty-one people either burned to death or drowned, with three hundred twenty-one survivors overall. Two of the thirty crew members died, no. so twenty-eight crew members survived. Everybody else died. And to this day, 
uh, the General S- S- uh, Slocum was the biggest tragedy that happened to New York until 9-11. Wow. And so I guess the ship just burned altogether. Burned there's right no away. there's no wreck per well, se. There was a wreck uh-huh. and the remains were recovered and converted into a barge and then the barge sank in a storm in 1911. Of course it did. Yeah. Now, the the uh, the captain of the ship he was convicted. He was found guilty on criminal negligence failing to maintain and just proper fire generally drills. being an idiot. And, yeah, and, and, and he was sentenced <laughs> to 10 years in prison, but then 3 months and 6 years afterward, he was pardoned by General Taft. All right, for, for whatever reason. So well, it was a huge huge amount of loss of life and and then it's another one of those examples that no one knows about the PS General Slocum. The PS named General after Slocum. A General Slocum from the Civil War. I was it sounded like a Civil War thing. Yeah. Well, very very interesting. Well, I think there's definitely going to be a part 3 of Shattered Halls because yeah. we still got the Andrea Doria, well, we, we still got the Edmund War. Fitzgerald, yeah, we, we the still two, got the Thresher uh, and the, uh, the uh, Scorpion, <laughs> the Achille Loro. Um, well, yeah, we have uh, then that I think will tie us up You know, I think that'll tie us like up. Right. I think I think we'll make it a trilogy. It'll be the trilogy, the Shattered Hulls trilogy. Yeah. So we will, uh, we'll, in a few weeks, we'll uh, see you all back here on podwits.com for the big uh, big finale. And check uh, out part one of it. And of, check out part one of Shattered Hulls, Hulls if you missed it. Um, and good, we hope good we times. speed through. We, we were under a time constraint, so uh, you know we were, we were you know? speeding through well, our Well, plus we didn't want to take up the rest of your afternoon. Yeah, so, you you know. Know. So what else do you have to do with this? <laughs> Except listen to so us. we'll see you next Bye. time. Some sonar pings or something. That was that was my that was my. Yeah, yeah, it's just not quite the same. But uh, so, uh, Dion, welcome to the uh, third and uh, I believe last of our extravaganzas on shipwrecks and 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 sunken mayhem things and things that go splash and sinking in the night and things like that. Uh, we've accomplished so much so <laughs> we, far. We we have, and we've uh, we've got a few more good ones to talk about, and uh, we want to get them all in. So and let me start out. Time. Let me let me start out with one that um, I swear to you, I did I'd never heard of okay. before. I was um, on my way here to the room to, to to the little tiny rubber room where we record these things. We, we finished up in the forties. We finished up in World the forties, and we've been spending all this time. But I got to backtrack a little okay. because I found this out suddenly on the. Uh, uh, all of a sudden, on the um, uh, on the way here, and I did a little bit, a quick bit of reading, and it was fascinating. You've never heard of the SS Eastland, have you? No, I haven't. Okay, heard of the Eastland. it was the largest loss of life in a ship disaster in American waters. What year? 1915. Ooh. Happened up in the Chicago River. It's uh, can it's considered the worst shipwreck in the history of. Um, the uh, the the Great Lakes because so technically it's Great Lakes. You did go digging, 
So I, I just, because I heard, because what happened was, you know, I was doing, I was doing my uh, due diligence and I was doing my reading on uh, the Andrea Doria, which we're going to talk about a little later on in the podcast. And uh, so I was doing my, I was doing the reading and it said it was the worst loss of life in American waters since the SS Eastland in 1915. I was like, oh, so I went looking. So, so real quick, let me give you this because this is wild. Watch out your, 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 your fancy, my, my my fancy, yes, my fancy uh, research machine here. Oh, go away. So. I have midgets doing it. Oh, you, you, you I have fairies. A, st- a, st- not, a staff of a staff of magical. Yeah, yeah, when they're not doing uh, elves, not making shoes. So, so here's so here's the story. Okay. Um, the Eastland was one of the ships that plied the uh, rivers and the Great Lakes up in the Chicago area back in the you know nineteen tens. Okay. And um, they were crazy top-heavy ships. What they were these big. Was it? it was a big, like sort of steam-powered ocean liner-looking thing. Was it like a uh, ferry? Yeah, it was. It was a little bit. Um, it was actually. A, it was. A, it was a liner. Actually, I mean, it looked like a liner. I mean, it wasn't a super snazzy ocean liner like, say, you know, one of the White Star uh, uh, ships. But it was a big old steam-powered, you know, liner. So, 1915, 24th of July, 1915. It uh, it um, is ferrying workers. Uh, they work at an electrical plant in Illinois. And these are a lot of Czech immigrants and stuff, and they, um, generally, this being the age of the jungle and all that, you know, crap, these are, you know, immigrant workers who generally don't get a chance to go on vacation very often, so it's a big deal. It's a big deal. They are getting ready to go to a picnic in Indiana. The the Eastland is going to ferry them from Chicago to this place in Indiana where they're going to have a day-long picnic, and this is a big this deal for them. This shades of the General Slocum. You know, in, in, a little bit. In, in it's, a, it's a little bit. So, so now, but here's, and here's the ironic bit. Check this out. After the Titanic disaster, they passed the Siemens Law, yeah. which required so many, you know, lifeboats to be on the ships. So this thing is already pretty damn top-heavy, and all these ships that the new law required that they put on it made it even more top-heavy. lifeboats and stuff. So this thing is Filled to capacity, and it's a and it's a relatively it's a relatively uh, cool morning. Never sounds so like a good num- idea. Was that doesn't sound like a good no. idea already? So it's a relatively cool morning, which is ironic. It was the twenty fourth of July, but you know it's Chicago, yeah. so it's windy, oh, and it's yeah. a relatively cool morning. So people are down below, and the thing is filled to capacity. Twenty four hundred people on this ship. Wow, and. They've got people up top and they've got people down below and due to just the top heaviness and and the number of people on board, things starts to keel over. Just because the wind are on its own? Just on its own, just because it's not balanced and the guys below start to get the sense this is happening. They start trying to put some water into the ballast tanks, but it's no good. And for whatever reason, and I have not yet found out, and like I said, this is all, you know, fresh fresh knowledge, breaking news to my mind. So I haven't yet found out why this is, but for some reason, all these people on top, on the decks, rush over to the port side and it's already listing the port, so they're like, ooh, let's all go over to the port side. Long story short, the weight of the people on top, plus all these Fakakta lifeboats and everything, yeah. thing just rolls right on over. Foom. Is it tops? Well, there was, it there was a journalist. Um, it, 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 yeah, it capsized. It just rolled. Well, it, it was only in 20 feet of water in the Chicago River, so it didn't, like, not, we're not talking Poseidon capsizing, yeah, yeah. but yeah, technically it capsized. So it's wild because um, I, I believe it was a great image that came from a journalist who actually saw it happen. Um, he actually said it looked like a, a giant ocean liner uh, rolled over like a whale taking a nap. Oh my gosh! Um, and 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 so, and all the people, 
who were down below to warm up, you know, because they'd gone down there and they're like, well, well, maybe we'll go up top when it gets underway, but it's cold, so we're going to, like, get all warm down. Yeah. They were down, and the water just rushes in. When the thing tipped over, that just rushed in, 844 people died. Oh, wow. That's kind of like the Titanic where they wanted to go back inside because it was yeah. too cold. Yeah, and so that, and that was the biggest loss of life in a uh, ship uh, disaster in American uh, waters. Up until... No, I mean the Andrea Doria only what fifty people died, something yeah, like that. Yeah, so, so this yeah, is the okay. still remains to this day. Of, in terms of loss of life, the wow. worst shipwreck on Ameri- and, in American and waters. And, and, it's, and it's I in never the heard of this country. And I never heard of it. And it's also the Great Lakes. And we're going to get to the Edmund Fitzgerald a little later. Yeah. But so I, anyway, that was just wild. And the Eastland definitely worthy of mention here in the the Podwitz Shattered Hulls special. Oh, that's horrible, that's isn't a, it though? Yeah. That's pretty pretty you crazy. Caught me off guard. No, I wasn't and, and I'm that, sorry. There's there's one there's one postscript to this story real quick because yeah. it only tipped over in 20 feet of water. Yeah. So they got it upright. Yeah. Repaired it. Sold it off. Repaired it and refitted it, yeah. and it finished out its career uh, until World War II as the USS Wilmette, a gunboat that served until until it was scrapped in 1946. So what did they do? They took it out of the Great Lakes and they moved took it? it out of the Great Lakes. They refitted it, put some guns on it, and became a gunship. And it went out. And it went out. Oh, what? And, and then they realized, I guess it wasn't top-heavy. It was with the point. Atlantic Fleet. What? Wow. I guess yeah. it wasn't top-heavy. I guess they, they had done some <laughs> refitting to it Maybe to, to rebalance re- it yeah. and stuff. But yeah. So, but That's how about that? Amazing. That was kind of nuts, right? I can't see. I'm sure there's hundreds of these. Oh, I know. Well, a year from now, yeah. we'll revisit, you know. There's about three okay. people who are like nautical, like freaks who were just like this is incredibly interesting you know <laughs> <laughs> and everyone else is just like wow okay we're just this is this is this is but uh but now so so we'll move on from there and now the time has come for the last of our big ones yeah. and this is appropriate that it's the last of the big ones yeah, because also, it was the last major yeah. shipwreck before airplanes became the preferred the gen the, the standard mode of travel yeah, in you know u.s so 1956 and we're talking the andrea or if you want to get uh, proper about it, the Andrea Doria. And named after a Gen- Genovese admiral. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was based in Genoa. Yeah. It was doing the Genoa to New York run. And it was very, the Italian, they, they had a lot of pride in it because of post-World War II, they're trying yep. to get their economy back. And, yep. And it had done it a hundred times and, and it was weird. Yeah, it had been around for, for what, four or five years, right? Yeah, and you it know? was very luxurious and I... I think I knew somebody, um, a, a, a relative of my mother said she'd been on it before. Oh, really? Before oh, not on, the, not on no, not the night. Not on that night, no. But it, it, it's interesting because it ties back kind of the Titanic because I guess where the, the wreck happened, it was off the coast of Nantucket. Nantucket, yeah. And that's where the Gulf Stream hits the Labrador Current. Right, exactly. Current, and that they say that's why that's a large part. That's a for to to fill in our listeners who who might you know it's been it's been fifty six years yeah. since the uh, since the disaster. So uh, just a real quick uh, background. And one night, nineteen fifty six, the uh, Andrea Doria, um, which is an Italian steamliner, is doing its is, is approaching New York at the end of its run from Genoa, Italy. And meanwhile, um, the uh, Stockholm, which was a Swedish-American liner doing the New York to Sweden run, is going eastbound. And right there, as Dion mentioned, right there where the uh, where the Gulf Stream meets the Labrador Current, the Labrador being very cold, Gulf Stream very warm, you get insane fog banks. So it's a it's a foggy night, and the and apparently the guys are not as well trained on using the radar as they ought to be. Yeah, and evidently the the the. Andrew Dora was giving its warning bell out and everything. Oh, it was. It was roll. It was doing the, the fog whistle and everything. Stockholm didn't hit the fog yet. Right, and, and so they didn't it the, see it. Yeah. 
and they're not reading, and they're not making good decisions. And it Don't like forget, it was like John Carpenter. It was, and, it, <laughs> you know, and there like was creeping a, around. right, exactly. And there was a little bit of a, there was a little bit of um, I guess what you and I would call operator error. I mean, there was yeah. just some bad decision making made because they decided, oh, we're not going, we're going to turn, or we're going to stop, we're going to try. Long story short, the Stockholm winds up turning right. It, the the Andrea Doria is trying to outrun the collision. They're on a collision course. The Andrea Doria is trying to outrun the collision. The Stockholm's trying to stop. And what happens is the ice breaking prow, this sharp ice breaking prow of the Stockholm, goes right into the starboard well, they, side. And they're turning into each other. I guess right. completely coincidentally, they think they're turning away. Right. They, they actually turn into each other. I guess that's what I mean by operator error. Just winds up going right into the side. The starboard side of the Andrea Doria, and and luckily they said this could have been a, a Titanic uh, caliber disaster, but mm-hmm. uh, luckily the the Andrea Doria was built so well mm-hmm. that that it, it actually took them eleven. It, it took hours. eleven hours, and they, all all the people who um there were there were fifty casualties, I believe it was. 40, I think forty six. Forty six. Forty one of those forty six casualties were people who just died. On impact. Oh, okay. Um, that's, like, that's like really they were because, because, because the, pr- the 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 prow um, of the of the Stockholm uh, bowled right into passenger cabins on the starboard oh, yeah, side. And then flooding and you such. know, um, one of the people who uh, who died was a veteran. I I wish I could remember her name. It was an Italianish kind of a name. She was a veteran um, uh, uh, foreign correspondent for the New York Times. Oh no, really? Yeah. Oh no, really? Oh yeah, no, really. Uh, um, so, so she was one of the people who died. And interestingly enough, so a member of her party was, uh, I believe, her sister-in-law, or something like that. Um, actually, wound up surviving her, her. She was like when the two ships finally disengaged. Yeah. She was inside the wrecked um, prow of Stockholm. of the Stockholm, and she survived. And she survived. Because they found her and she survived. It's amazing because there was uh, 1,134 passengers on board and mm-hmm. 572 crew members. And to have only 46 people or so That's die. the most amazing thing. And things. I think it's, they said it was it was because of the safeguards of, first, it's mm-hmm. the ship, they said, the safety procedures. Absolutely. Certainly the the, uh, the professionalism of the crew, mm-hmm. which we haven't, in the history of our, our Podwitz Shattered right. Hulls disasters, haven't been very that stellar. <laughs> we, we have not had fabulous crew. Yeah. You know, these, and, were, these were amazing. And yep. then the list and they were able to get it and then also the fast response time of surrounding ships since they were so close to the to the uh new england coast and kudos to uh captain piero calamai who yes. uh, managed to stay on board yeah the yeah. um which is another thing we've had you problems know? with well uh, that's 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 the thing there was a there were a lot of injuries because apparently um and again this is nothing against captain calamai because he he stayed on board and he did not leave the Andrea Doria until nine o'clock the following morning. He was, I think, the last one off. But um, a lot of the crew members yeah. just abandoned ship right after the collision. So these poor passengers who were trying to evacuate, it's already confusion because the thing's listing to starboard. Yeah. So all the port, the lifeboats on the you port side are no, too far out of the water. Really you can't, can't use them. them. They're, so they're yeah. trying to do, rig up like Jacob's ladders. They're trying to get all these people out the side of the boat into the into the water and onto the onto the but amazingly the, they were able to right but it was confusion because the crew had already abandoned so there wasn't anybody official around to sort of like keep order direct the passengers so people are just stampeding and there were a lot more injuries than they had to be so we have to call out the the douchebag crew members so I guess, of the I guess we're not Doria. saluting the professionals well no we're, we're like I said the captain stayed on board the bridge crew stayed on board but the the staff the stewards oh, the waiters they were just, like, they yeah, were just yeah. like we're we're out of here and we're just like 
Douchebags. Douchebags. The bastardos. We give you no love. We give you no love on the pod with. It, it hit at 1110 yeah. uh, p.m. And yep. uh, at um, the next morning, everybody was off, and they mm-hmm. were thinking of trying to drag it to shallow waters. Mm, but it was, and they realized, wait, the, it's, it's it's listening too much. And then yeah. at nine forty-five, it began to sink. It turned over on its side, starboard mm-hmm. side. There's beautiful pictures if you go online. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy taking the aerial pictures actually won a Pulitzer Prize. Yeah, um, fifty-seven Harry A. Trask. Trask of the Boston Traveler. Traveler. And, yes, sir. Uh, it sank. At almost exactly 11 hours after the collision at 10.09. 10.09, it finally slipped beneath the Atlantic waves. And it drifted uh, a mile and a half almost. From the collision yeah. site, yep. And then it's interesting now, they have a, they, they talk about the... Um, well, evidently then, afterward, both ships contributed to the settlement fund for the victims. Do you know... And uh, they, they they said it was heavy fog, but then they, they yeah. missed the whole I mean, but they shit. did... There, and there was there was so much... I mean, they still don't know for sure. I mean, there's a lot of conjecture about what caused the collision. But um, now here's... Here, this is pretty amazing. The, uh, the, um, the, the Stockholm is still in, in uh, use. Is it really? It really oh, yeah, is. Yeah. It was repaired, and it sails today. It's registered in Portugal as the MS Athena. Wow. Yeah. I wonder if that's one... Because I... I when I was little, so soft. I guess you could take a cruise on the Stockholm today. Oh, that'd be freaky. It's like the Queen Mary, you know, it's docked in LA or in California, and they, they yeah. all say that's haunted and that's yeah. a big allure of the hotel. And it's like I saw this big. I remember being like I don't know four or five and watching this big special on the. They, they went and found the wreck of the Andrea Doria. Yeah, bringing you down. Yeah. It was a big eighties, early eighties. They consider it the Mount Everest of wrecks. I mean, you can't. You, you're casual recreational diver. You can't go down there. But if you're like an experienced technical diver it's, and you like diving oh, shallow enough, you can get down there. It's it's it's. Um, I mean, get, you, you, get down you there can. It is. Up. It is possible, Not but you have to be like crazy experienced to do it. And if you look at the uh, the the past couple of years, the artist renderings of it. Yeah. Uh, it, it's taken a lot of damage. Superficial. The superficial structure is gone because of it, the, the the Atlantic Current. And they say so right. No, it's it's where it is. The Atlantic Current. You're right. It's just sort of like moving bits of it. And yeah. apparently, it's a very noisy wreck because of that constant deterioration. Stuff's moving around in it That's all the time. Crazy. But it is. It is. But what's interesting is that some dive consider that kind of a good thing because what happens is as the wreck deteriorates and as stuff moves and as bits of it slide away that sort of opens up new areas it makes new areas available for exploration so uh, well i'm just saying it's it's kind of i guess if you're a wreck diver that's kind of an interesting thing but yeah because you want to go in and Look um, at the guts and the stuff. You know, it's it's uh, some some pretty impressive uh, some pretty impressive uh, stuff so there. That, but that was the last big one. That's in '56. That and was in 1956. That, I guess you know, uh, commercial aircraft kind of took over. Yeah, and so then since since then, you want to go trans, you want to go across the Atlantic. You're doing it on a plane. You're yeah, not doing it on a boat anymore. Special. Trilogy you know. of specials, right? Well, yeah, we're not even gonna <laughs> the area the aircraft. <laughs> we'll we'll put that on the back burner for now. Uh, one more big boat. A uh, big sunken boat to talk about yeah. uh, here, and that would be the Edmund Fitzgerald. Are we going chronologically? I want to. I want to do the Edmund Fitzgerald of, because of, we're going. We got some subs to talk about, but let's do the subs. Like you know, let's just touch on the Edmund the Fitzgerald real last. quick. You know, okay. yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll do the sandwiches last. Mm, sandwiches. <laughs> you got a. Uh, well, this is another one that's Great Lakes related. Yes, yes, it is. Just like the Eastland, uh, and it's a. Uh, I really only knew about it from the Gordon Lightfoot song, frankly. Yeah, which is really you know. telling because it's not like one of those like because 
you think about there's scores and scores of songs which have kind of, I guess, fell by the wayside nowadays that were done as mm-hmm. like homages or homages to these wrecks, like also cautionary tales. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. wreck of the Titanic, the wreck of this, you know. So My th- personal favorite shipwreck song is uh, Life in Dark Waters by uh, Al Stewart. See, I don't know that. Yeah, it's a good it's yeah. a good one. So to have one like Gordon Light for this one, it's like you've heard it growing up, but you don't, if you don't really know the, the, the tale of the Fitzgerald, it's mm-hmm. kind of sad. And then it's like, oh, it is, you know, it's very... And another, and another kind of mysterious where, where to this day, nobody knows what happened. Yeah, and which so, is an, uh, like another one of the things we'll talk about soon. Is you want to uh, want to give us a quick a quick rundown of the uh, of what we do know about well, the Edmund was, Fitzgerald? It was, it was like a workhorse. It, it was a it, yeah. It would it would what would it take coal? Uh, taconite ore. It was it was hauling. It was one of the big like ore tankers, and it would haul from Duluth, ta- right? Right from uh, along yeah exactly along the Great Lakes. Set records for like you know amount of hauling. Yeah, you it, know? It, it, it set like six different records, and then it would beat each record every right, year. Yeah, this year. and and this was this was this was my. Uh, one of my favorite bits of it um, is that it had a uh, it had a uh, uh, the 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 captain yeah during the, the the time in the 60s when it was breaking records regularly they called him the DJ captain um, because uh, he, he was Captain Peter Pulser and he would constantly pipe because um, because where it was running there in the Great Lakes and on the rivers that connect the Great Lakes yeah you could stand on the banks and watch it and they back then that people did it was yeah. pretty impressive it was like ooh look at the he would pipe music. Over the over the songs over the PA over the ship's PA oh, system, no and so they called him the DJ. And then when it passed through the uh, Great Sioux Lock, um, uh, uh, the Sioux Locks between Lake Superior and Lake Huron, he would get out on the deck with a bullhorn and like sort of be tour guide for the people who are standing up, like sort of like watching it pass through. He he'd give them like sort of like you know here are some of the details of the Edmund Fitzgerald, and he would he like sounds kind of like a nut, but he wasn't he the, was the captain that died. The, McSorley. He was, McSorley was the captain the night of the wreck, but the, but Peter Pulser was the captain uh, during it's it's like heyday because yeah, it had in a the long 60s. run. It, had it did, a, like, but a it had year but these so. things were designed to last like you know a half century. Like this thing could have gone on. This thing could have still been in use. Today, maybe, if yeah. it hadn't gone down in 75. But, but it's, it's quite different design-wise also from what we've been talking about because it was married. It's basically like a freight liner, and it, the, the front of it was the area where the bridge was, the cabin, the, mm-hmm. the, the, um, the berths, and, uh, and, the, and the, the basic living quarters. Then the back end of it, the, it was almost like an oil tanker where yeah. it had these big... Uh, massive hole mm-hmm. plates you can open up and you can store stuff inside of it and then the very back of it had a little more of a like the port or the, the uh, aft had like a little kind of a, a thing mm-hmm. there but it was just like almost like a long I guess like a, like an oil tanker like yeah a, like, yeah know. no it looks like an oil tanker yeah. I mean if you look at pictures there's lots of pictures of it doing its thing back in the day as opposed I guess oil tankers usually have the bridge and stuff in uh, in the back where right. this was up front right you know and so, it, 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 in the night uh, of the sinking no, was November nineteenth, nineteen seventy five, and it was a very, very. It, 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 it was a dark and stormy night. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but it, 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 it started off just as like uh, just just I don't want to say like nor'easters because I guess that's that's. Well, oh, it got right it got worse. Like it they came almost like a, a, a hurricane. It set out that, and I believe it was the 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 Arthur J. Anderson. There was yeah, another tanker went, out on the water. They, they went with together, it. right? And they're in Lake Superior. Yeah. And, and they're uh, thinking it, they it can. It sounds like it's a long crossing because if you look it at is. the time frame, it's a big, stuff I mean, started having like two or three a.m. and then it eventually seventy-seven and seven o'clock about like, yeah yeah like yeah and earlier in the day so it's like it seems like there's there's a lot it's, it's, I don't know how long the voyage is but it's a long 
And then I guess when you get out there, you can't see anything land-wise. So it's, it's right. No, it's those, these are like the big oceans. lakes. This is not like a little lake that you do like you know you're canoeing on at yeah, summer I wish camp. We had the, this the, is the like dimensions of the lakes. Right. The lakes these, are this huge. is a, they're called the Great Lakes. I've been. I've seen the shores of Lake Ontario and Lake um, uh, uh, Lake Lake Michigan. Yeah. Myself. Um, in my various travels, and I can tell you, when you're standing on one shore, you're of rambling. This... You're, you're a rambling man with your uh, <laughs> when I'm waltzing Matilda. Do 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 do. Don't 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 make me angry. You wouldn't <laughs> like me when I'm angry. Oh, oh but anyway, no. uh, <laughs> Bill, 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 just do some side. Doctor David Bruce Banner. Um, so, uh, and I can tell you, when you're standing on one shore of these lakes, it's yeah. like you're at the at the. It's like you're at the the, the ocean beach. Like you cannot see the other side. Yeah, they're, they're, so they're so these are like they call them um, the la- one of the last um, uh, one of the, uh, Captain McSorley of the Edmund Fitzgerald the night of the the night of the disaster one of the last transmissions that they got from him he was saying um, these are some of the worst seas I've ever been on and so the, he's that, sa- he's talking seas you know what I'm saying and that call a lot of the uh, other people like the guy in the Anderson Surprise that right. captain because that's not something that come out of his right mouth. no this was not a guy this was a tough grizzled yeah, he old he was he was sixty three years old he was fi- getting ready for to retire and this was not a guy who ever like backed down yeah, he would power through and he's and like just, and he, he even knew the, the i guess the brevity or the the, the immense mm-hmm. uh, amount of the situation and it's sad that yeah at some point they they started saying they were taking on some water and they were kind of listening yeah. to know what was going on but no distress call ever went out mm-hmm. and it just vanished and all 29 crew perished and they yep. were never none of the bodies and it just recovered. disappeared like and so the best so quickly right the best, um, the best think uh, uh, thinking on it um, in, in 1980, I think it was um, Jacques Cousteau's kid. Yeah, um, went and dived the wreck. They found and, it because they didn't and, know what the hell it was. Right, they found it and they dived it. And he said all the evidence. It's in two pieces on the bottom. Um, the the bow section is upright and the stern section is face down and just sc- taconite ore scattered everywhere. Pellets. Yeah. Scattered everywhere. Um, and he's uh, he says it, all the evidence look makes it look like it broke in two on the surface. So the just the heavy seas, the high winds, just the it must the have just hit it you know to maybe some taken on some water in a bad place, and it just must have. See, I had heard rumors that maybe one of the covers had come off. No, they did. They they reported hatch covers were off, and, and but I'm that saying was contributing you know, the water going in, right. They were shipping water in too. a major way, you know, but you know because these um, things were made to just carry the, the minerals over to like Detroit and those work. Those uh, t- uh, Toledo, those real like uh, industry yeah. center towns, because they were using them for whatever industry was, you know, their car or industry, whatever. Mm-hmm. So y- you think they'd be used to this kind of abuse, but that night was just that was thing. apparently from what I from what I've read, that night's storm was one of the worst the Great Lakes has ever seen, and they just didn't see it coming. It's not like let's stay in tonight; it's going to be the perfect storm. No, it was oh, yeah. like you know we'll go out, we can make it, ha ha, and then oh and wait, it's, no, it's incredible because she 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 was a workhorse and she set so many records right and she has such an illustrious famous past yeah it's just it's it's, it's a shame so that was um yeah okay it was launched in june 758 and then it it, it, november 10 75 it it, it was lost to the sea with all 29 crew members Mm -hmm. and uh it's it's sad really because it became one of those mystery hence the gordon lightfoot song yeah you guys exactly because it's one of those. It's almost like the House of the Rising Sun. It's one of those cautionary, yeah, scary. You know, you listen to it like he took some. He took some poetic liberties with yeah, the uh, historical but it's like one record. Of those songs but... You're driving by yourself at night on a dark road in the woods, and then that comes on late night. You know, on, yeah. on the spinning. <laughs> you're like, wow, this is, you know, he gets kind of scared. And this is heavy, dude. Yeah, this is real heavy. I, I get to pull 
because I'm starting to you know, I'm starting get a lot to... of anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so okay, and now it's time to uh, move on to uh, I guess our last sort of uh, we got some uh, we got some subs, which some is submarines. Weird because which... we never, I, I certainly never really heard about these things. And no, I right? How? What? 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 Brought it on. I might have saw a special or read a book or something. And it's it's interesting that uh, to me one of the most freakiest things is just the whole idea of a submarine. Oh, absolutely. Being, a sub, being under, you know, you and watch, is there anything as like freak induced, freak induced, out inducing, claustrophobic, claustrophobic of like? You know, I think of two. There are two great. Like two of the great movie scenes for me. Let's we'll go back to Raise the Titanic. Okay. Um, and if you'll recall, one oh, of the most yes. haunting scenes yes. was when the the baby scape goes down and implodes, yeah. and it was like that just stayed with me. That scene, and, and then, then they lose it, and then the abyss. The, the abyss, abyss, which which Bean. is a candidate, which is a candidate for my favorite movie of all time. And for me, it is the best. Yeah. Like front to back, the best of James Cameron's films, and that's saying something because the man is a great filmmaker. Yeah. Um, but that one just holds up stem to stern, pardon the pun. And the scene, <laughs> both the the opening scene with the with the nuclear sub, forgot, yeah. you know, that, yeah. getting swamped, and then later on when they explore the wreck of the sub, oh, and just both oh, yeah, yeah both scenes are just so mind blowing. Yeah. So it really gives you a sense that you know a, a, a sub shipwreck can be a sub wreck, if you will, yeah. can be just as um, compelling, and it seems like as you, once you do have some sort of compromise, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. You know, not, yeah. it's not like with a ship where you might have some options to get people up. You know, you, it's just the whole the whole idea of it is if anything happens, you know that you're basically screwed. There's never been any kind of really uh, perfect way to get people out. Agreed. And uh, I guess we start off with the Thresher from 1958. Right. Yes. Uh, and uh, that was one of the first uh, nuclear. It was. It was subs for the for America. And it and it had some life. It, it's interesting because when I first heard of it, it was like th- the USS Thresher is the sub that you know uh, sunk a cool on name a, too. Right. It sunk on a test dive, and so you're thinking, oh, it never. It must. You know, it's how tragic it was. Like this brand new I'm thing, sorry, and it never. It was launched in '60, and it sunk on April 10th, 1963. R- that's right. Sorry. That's right. So, um, there. Uh, the, you're you're thinking you heard it. You know, when you first hear of it, it's the sub that sank on a test dive, and you're thinking, oh, that's a shame. It must have never gotten out. No, it had a career, and it was just like later on in its career, they decided to see how much more yeah, they it could do. They were just doing like you know? ship trials and right. All the all the 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 major, I think. Historically, since the the beginning of uh, the United States, uh, uh, all the subs come out of Groton, Connecticut. Really? Yeah, they all have the. That's where all the subs come from. At the end of at the end of uh, you know clear was it uh, uh, Humphrey October? That's where they're coming into. Interesting. I did not know that. And that I did not know that. Growing up in Connecticut, that was what everyone was always worried about. Like, okay, well, you live near you're within fifty miles of New York, and you're within fifty miles of Groton. You know that if any nukes were shot, (laughs) that's where where the two locations are going to. You're kind of fucked. And then you're going to fuck off Groton. So yeah, Groton, (laughs) Connecticut, and you can go. They have they have ships docked there, Mm -hmm. uh, subs and all, and all the subs come out of there and that's why they were doing trials off the coast of Cape Cod which is kind of around that area yep and it's kind of scary what happened because they were doing they were doing trials and they were down kind of to their their capacity of depth mm-hmm. and they don't know what happened but they've been able to to piece together what kind of happened and what they th- first of all which is really interesting to, 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 to know that is that the because um, it was going down a hell of a way the re- they have they had nuclear reactors on it, mm-hmm. and the the reactor control officer, Lieutenant uh, Raymond McCool, 
was not on board that day. His wife had suffered some sort of household injury, so he was ordered off by the captain. Your duties with your house. So his trainee, Jim Henry, was at the the helm of the reactor. You know, which should have been fine. It's mm-hmm. like Scotty's not there that day. You have Scotty's ensign, you know, doing stuff. And what happened was, what they think was that the salt water pipes that carried yes. the salt water yes. in one of the joints failed. Right. And salt water shot out at at you know very high speeds. And maybe somehow hit an electrical panel, caused a short out. And what they call it in in in, in uh, uh, submarine military terms is a scram, which means the reactor went into an automatic shutdown. Right. And then on top of that, you've got the the, the pressurized air, the air pressure out of the burst pipes yeah. is causing all the moisture to cool down so rapidly that it freezes and it blocks. The it blocks things. them up, and they can't. They can't. They can't blow ballast. Yeah, and and and, and which is really at that point because that was that's what you do when all this stuff goes down. What you do is you blow ballast in your surface, but, but they enough, couldn't because all that ice was blocking with the nuclear subs at the time. They they never tried that because the diesel subs that you know they went right. through hell with the two wars. Right, but they never blasted that far depth, so they didn't know how, what would happen. You know, g forces and and uh, uh, the bends, but th- at that point. Stuff froze, so what they think happened was reactor went into shutdown, which means you have no propulsion. Mm-hmm. You have to try to reset it. It takes about 10 minutes to reset the fucker. They don't have <laughs> enough steam in any of the pipes to just get any kind of propulsion. You try to blow your ballast, but because you're so uh, you're so uh, uh, deep, yeah, and of what's going on, stuff freezes. Yep, and then so the thing just went down to its crush depth. It's like you ever if you if you think back to imploded. middle school, you think back to middle school chemistry class. The Thresher disaster is like the most horrific, um, functioning, um, working example of uh, Boyle's law. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's sad. And then what they did was they 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 had, which is even more freaky to me, because when this was happening, of course, there were ships on the scene. There was a there was a, a ship on top of the water mm-hmm. that monitoring the because t- it was it was a uh, it, what would you call it? It was a practice. Uh, yeah, it was a test. Yeah, so there were there dive. were ships around, and they lost communications with it. They were yep. talking to it. And they were hearing garbled responses. Yeah, and then they so aren't stuff's just happening. Yeah. The Skylark was 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 a, mm-hmm. was a ship mm-hmm. above it, and they were talking to the captain, and they were saying that they had quote. Uh, uh, Minor difficulties with have positive up angle attempting to blow, and that was one of the last communications they had with it. And then, you know, and they gone. lost contact with it. So what they did was they kind of figured out. They said, "Okay, we have a theory," and they took its sister ship, mm-hmm. sister sub, which is the um, I cannot pronounce it. How would you your your eyes? Uh, the Tenosa? Thank you. Yes, uh, it's, which sounds very easy to pronounce. The Tenosa. They, they, the they, thing. They, and dry dock, they, they they tried the simulation with the Tenosa of flooding the engine room, and they tried it, and they realized that it, it would have took 20 minutes to isolate the, the simulated leak mm-hmm. in the auxiliary seawater system, and a test depth taking water with the reactor shutdown, it would have taken at least 20 minutes for the ship to recover, plus 10 minutes for them to turn the reactor back on. So if you're thinking of, if the thing is just like a uh, just a dead weight, Going yeah. down, 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 down. down. It, it, and it's gonna, just like in one of those movie scenes that we talked about. It's just the it, it loses. And yeah, and they found that the, the it just it did ultimately yeah, there's like the, six or seven pieces of it. It's just, just all yeah. over, all over the uh, and that begot a really interesting thing, which was uh, a a implementation of a very uh, uh, important program to submarines called Subsafe. Yeah, where they where now every 
you know, in, in the in the United States Navy, you have this this program for regulations. It's kind of like the Titanic disaster. All of a sudden, it's like, hey, we need some rules yeah, out we, here. We do ah. need to understand some stuff. And, yeah. And then, so that was in 60, 61. And Six, that was... Uh, 63. Uh, 60, I'm sorry, 63. And that was a nuclear uh, ship. And the nuclear vessel. Uh, uh, and the, then... The vessels. <laughs> and then that... Le- and now we... Uh, and then a few years later, five years later, we've yeah, got the... Uh, the USS Scorpion, and that's another a real badass. mystery. It was a nuclear sub. It's out patrolling. It's it's it's. Well, out. Let's give background to it because it was it, first. It's a badass name, right? But it was the a Scorpion. badass. It was a badass sub. Where this sub was, it was known at the time that if you wanted to really ascend the ranks of the Navy, you'd get assigned to this ship because this thing would doing stuff like it would it would it was known to go into to. Uh, to enemy territories, right? Soviet, this is the Cold War. Fuck they shit were... up and then run away. Yeah, and, and it was really pissing people off. Which it had a here a quote to Wikipedia. It had a reputation for excellence and as a fast attack sub with which was plum assignment for officers seeking to move up in the Navy, which submarine yeah. officers regained increased clout. This so was, this would just go in there. It had f some stuff up, leave or clandestine missions, right. photograph stuff, and it was and it was yeah, it was so, it had a real reputation. So people thought maybe it was pissing the wrong people off. Well, you know, and then it gets to the, what you said—the mystery of what actually happened. Right, to because it. they don't know. All they day, know is it was on patrol in the Atlantic near the Azores. Azores is that? I, yeah. I've never. I've only seen it written. So feel free to uh, email us. We at, can, we uh, can, we're American. We can pronounce it any way we want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so um, it's out there in uh, 1968, um, uh, May 1968. Which is the, it's the Azores in the it's the southwest. Right, it's, it's near the Spain. Ocean, yeah. yeah, it's near Spain. And they're doing some patrols and apparently keeping an eye on, maybe keeping an eye on some Soviet stuff going on there know. in the yeah, Atlantic. We don't, we don't know. And then just disappeared. Just Although disappeared. It said it was weird. It did say that at a time that the the uh, it, 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 it was sending uh, emergency. Uh, um, Hold on, let me let me let me. It find. was attempting to send radio, uh, traffic to a, a station in Spain. Yeah, and, it, and it, so it, for an odd longer amount of time, it was sending some sort of right. distress. Right, and then what was happening was it was getting that was getting sent to a station, which would then. But then it was to just, another station. But then, then it was it just out of communication. It wasn't until it was reported overdue, like a week later, it was supposed to be in Norfolk, Virginia, yeah. and it it never showed up. And it's like, hey, wait a minute, they you know? So they lost. sent out a search. But they, which is interesting, this is all this in the Clinton administration in the nineties declassified a lot of this stuff. Yeah, they sent out a public search on June thirtieth when this 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 is all this happened on uh, uh, May twenty second. Mm-hmm. So June 30th is finally when they sent the public search out. But now we learn that they actually, before the, it was known to the public, they sent out a private search. Mm-hmm. And they were looking, and they, they ended up... This, and it's really interesting how they discovered it. They, the, Dr. John Cavan, uh, he came up with this uh, Bayesian search theory, which they developed when back in uh, ni- January 1966, they lost a B-52 bomber yeah. with a, uh, they, they, a yeah. warhead on it. So they developed this wave, which is uh, this weird theory, which I guess you should try to Google the the. the Bayesian theory, well, and, and they use and he, they, they, that's how they were able to find the. Uh, and then during the, the search, scorpion. so they're do, they're trying to find it. They're trying to find it, and then like after they find it, the Navy says, "Oh yeah, we had this audio for a while now, and we think it uh, has the sound of oh, the, the of, of the scorpion's destruction." And it's like what? And here we have the the different theories. It is the the cause of it has never been confirmed by the U.S. Navy of what happened. So it, it, it right. So but they keep got, they keep a damn close eye on it because the thing is still down there with. A a nuclear reactor and two nuclear-tipped uh, torpedoes. Well, before you 
hit that little piece of knowledge, which is interesting. They they think it could have been an accidental ac- activation of a torpedo mm-hmm. inside. Yes, that's that's what I've heard. Explosion of a torpedo inside. Right. Yep. Uh, a malfunction of the trash disposal unit. Something <laughs> could have happened in some or a Soviet sub. Those are the those yeah. are the. Uh, and it could have been any of them. It could have been any of them. Now, so. as a little piece of of quick knowledge, uh, it has been come to light in the past year or two that Doctor Ballard, Robert right. Ballard, bring yeah. us back to Titanic. He in the early eighties went to the Navy. And said, in eighty five, hey, yeah. Uh, uh, well, in the, in, oh, oh, in that, the okay. He went to the U.S. Navy and said, "Hey, I want to go find the Titanic." Well, they said to him, "Well, listen." Uh, fuck face. <laughs> if you want to do that, we want you to do something for us, and we're going to keep it completely classified because we have two nuclear uh, vessels that went down in the '60s, and we want to make sure that a all their shit is still there, b the reactors are still intact. So we want you to go and look at them, but we don't want the Soviets to know what you're doing. So you had to do it real quiet. So we're going to mask it and say we're giving you money to go look for the Titanic. So his agreement was okay if I go find the two vessels, thoroughly explore them to your liking. Whatever back time I have left, I will then use to search for the Titanic. And they said agreed. He did his extensive uh, research on the two, on the uh, Thresher, the Mm -hmm. Scorpion. He had a certain amount of days left, maybe a couple weeks. He started a grid formation uh, uh, search. And in 85, he was able to locate the Titanic. And that's how he was able to find the Titanic. Full circle. Pretty cool. And then that that only came out about a year or two ago. But Brian, you have... We have literally, we've got like 90 seconds left, so I'm going to give you the the briefest of briefest rundowns on this. But long story short, the U-869, it's a German U-boat. It was only in service for about a year, back in 43-44. It disappeared off the coast of Africa, and it was presumed because um, um, a, an American destroyer escort had said, yes, we fired our weapons and we sank something. So, <laughs> so the, and, and, you know, because you get, I guess when you're in the Navy, you get prizes for sinking stuff. So they said, yes, we sank something. And so the Navy said, oh, that must have been the U-869 because the U-869 was never found, this German U-boat that they, that they were aware of and it was never found. So they, uh, so they awarded the kill, although later evidence showed that this uh, American destroyer hadn't actually hit anything. Just, so in uh, in nineteen oh, they lying or did they, they, did they, they hear were, something? They, I don't. I have no idea. Okay. That's that's a bit that. I, but in nineteen ninety one, some guys are diving off the coast of New Jersey and they find a U boat. No, and they don't no. know what it is. And it took them a few years and a few like lost a few people in the process. Really? Um, yeah. There's a couple of good books uh, called Shadow Divers, and then there's another one I forget the name of, um, de- detailing the discovery and the process. And then Nova did a special called uh, Hitler's Lost Sub, but the Long story short is finally in 1997 or 1998, they finally found some stuff on board. They traced the the numbers of the equipment on board, and they found that this was U-boat U-869 off the coast of New Jersey, presumed lost off of Africa in 1944. That's a different... How freaky is that? That's hugely interesting for another podcast about how close the Nazis got to us. That's exactly... Going up on the beach of California, they had those... uh, the, the, the Japanese were sending uh, incendiary bombs in, in, in hot air balloons over, and they just gave up on the program because they thought it wasn't working, but it was just that our government wasn't purporting any. Right. But they were setting fires in the northwest in Oregon and stuff. Right. And a lot of the, 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 the declassified uh, Nazi stuff saying, you know what, uh, we were watching, you know, uh, we, we uh, surfaced in, in, uh, in, in the harbor of New York City. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a different thing. Do they but, know but why? No, you're right. 
anything why of how it went down. No, well, know. yes, they have awarded, the Navy has since done its research and awarded the uh, sinking of the U-869 uh, retroactively to two destroyers that were patrolling the Atlantic coast in uh, 1944. Well, why wasn't that but, ever... Uh... Uh, that's an excellent question. It's some, maybe something to do with how close they were to the coast, because if I can quote uh, my wife, the Empress, most recently heard <laughs> in our Sherlock special, yes. and I will quote her, what's frightening is how fucking close it was to the coast, because she read both the books yeah. on the, uh, on well, this, uh, on the discovery. Subs are jumping off but, people on Long Island. But anyway, we, that, we, that's, that's a lot of stuff. That's for a different. We got uh, a lot of stuff covered, and we're both we're we're badly out of time here. But this has been a lot of fun. I've any enjoyed the. Uh, uh, I mean, I guess uh, it's just, just it's really really like it's haunting and awesome. Uh, like the the how this kind of stuff. And I guess happens. we should we should say hey you know what if you want to go you should definitely go research. For research. We'll give you links. Uh, the links are in the podcast post to a Wikipedia. It's a good starting point. And then you can go, find, then you the can go find read kids. It's so, good for you. It's good for it's you. One so to grow on. it's been fun, and uh, we'll see you uh, next time we convene for and whatever Brian reason. Brian Clan Zeno of Zeno, thank you very much, and you as well, Dion. Bye. Enjoyed this. I have it as well. It was good fun. We'll uh, see you next time. Yeah, I actually can't stand yeah. you. S- see you down the trail. <laughs> time when sleeping on the floor with your friends wouldn't have been considered weird the management of this website invites you to a new dimension in podcasting an experience so fun it can only be compared to a childhood sleepover it's not just about horror tom atkins proves that any man is leading man material (laughs) it's not just about action if you're going to rank Van Damme movies... Yeah, it's up there. Would, I'd put it top five for sure. It's not just about comedy. There's no other person in the world that loves Weekend at Bernie's more than you. It's not just about science fiction. Hang a scrim with, like, a beautiful comb-over. It's about nostalgia. Can you survive the Saturday night movie sleepover? It's not a movie. It's a podcast about movies. You can follow Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers at saturdaysleepovers.podwits.com on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, and Player FM. Have you had a hard day at work on a budget? Men, do you want to have one beer before you go home to that nagging old lady of yours? Ladies, is it the end of the week and you want to let loose but you're trying to watch your weight or you can't have more than one because you're driving or possibly pregnant? Well, CauseWiser Magnum is for you. CauseWiser Magnum has 80% alcohol. Have one and that's all you'll need. It has enough alcohol, sugar, and special reeds to give you a kick and make you feel good. Keeps you up and alert just in case you have a long drive after you frequent your favorite watering hole. So next time you want to drive, you're on a budget, but still want to feel like you had a 12-pack and a pot of coffee, try Coors Wiser Magnum. Gives you that kick and that keeps you going. Hey, this is Dion Bai. I'm here with my friend Jay Blake, uh, both of the Podwitz fame. We've got a new um, podcast coming out for you. Do you remember back in the day when having your friends sleep over your house was the highlight of your week where you'd uh, go out with your parents and you'd rent every movie under the sun and you'd get some Jiffy Pop, uh, you'd max out that rental card and you'd uh, get some Joke Cola and stay up all night long watching more movies than you think you'd be able to binge watch? Uh, I do. Well, we've got a new podcast that you'll love. It can be found at saturdaysleepovers.podwits.com and basically what we're going to be doing here at Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers, we're going to be profiling new and old 
that we used to watch when we were little. Yeah, movies from action movies to horror movies to maybe even new movies. Yeah, whatever we think could be a forgotten gem or something that we think could be a cult classic. We'll be seeing if the old movies still stand up, if they're as good as they used to be, if we remember them, and if they warrant a second viewing for people. So come on down and listen to us at Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. That can be found again at SaturdaySleepovers.podwits.com. We'll be waiting for you. Later. Later.